Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, I'm very excited. Ask me why. Kate, why are you excited? Because it's spring break! What's a spring break? I don't know what this we means. This this is gibberish to a guy who has a nine to five job. It's a, it's a thing that means that I get to teach during the day and not only when my students are off of school in the evenings. So that means that this week I'm going to have vaguely regular person hours and like I'm really excited about this. I'm very excited what are you, about this. What are you going to do with all these regular person hours, though? Like, I, I, what are you going to do? I could do things like go to a movie with my uh-huh. friends or family, like, in the evening. Right. Are you going to do that, though? Probably, yes, I am. Yeah? I can watch TV when it actually airs. And, well, that's like, just follow nonsense. Along Nobody does that. Even I don't do that anymore. On Twitter. <laughs> I, I can, you know, yes, it's very nice to be able to just, like, go get breakfast Or go get brunch at like 10 o'clock in the middle of the day because that is my evening, you know? But it's not fun to get back from work at 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night and then be like, I'm starving and oh, nothing's open. There's no food. Last week, Noel, the kitchen was torn up for for reasons. And so I got back on a Sunday at like 9.30 and I couldn't use the kitchen because it was torn up. And literally every, there was one place that was open after walking around in Chicago. I'm, I'm in Chicago. In Chicago, I should be able to get food on Sunday at a 9.30, like 9.30 p.m. That's, that's not crazy late, but not even the bars were even serving food anymore. I, I literally was in a gas station looking at the nasty gas station hot dog thinking, am I that hungry? No, no you are not that hungry. <laughs> yes. that, that, that is not okay. The answer was no. And the very nice. Uh, they have hot pockets in the freezer, Kate. <laughs> Just get a hot pocket. But I couldn't use my kitchen. I was not going to eat a cold hot pocket. I could not use the microwave. Some gas stations have microwaves for just that reason. Well, thankfully, the very nice gas, uh, gas station attendant was like, no, the Mexican place up like three blocks is still open. It's the only one that's open this time of day, but it is still open. And so thank you, gas station attendant. You saved me <laughs> from a fate worse than death, which is the gas station hot dog. But um, no, I'm, so I'm very excited to be able to like, at least for the next week, function more on regular person hours. Um, I'm going to be doing like, I'm volunteering for a mayoral campaign um, in my my hometown and I'm going to be doing like spring cleaning stuff. But so I'm still like, it's not very exciting. I'm not good at fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've i'm not gonna fun either so yeah it's okay as we both know because we didn't gamble or go to a show or a club or, <laughs> or anything when really we were drink. in vegas yeah i like yeah we, we didn't drink did we have anything alcoholic in vegas i don't think i did no and i kept offering you to like buy you a drink or something and you were just like no i'm good nah, i'm good anyway so that's what i'm doing with my with my spring break i'm gonna be doing like lots of like i'm gonna make some spreadsheets for my studio. I'm really excited about this. What What are you going to be doing while everybody else is, is on spring break? Are you going to be like avoiding public spaces because all the, the children will be out? I don't know when spring break is around here, actually. Huh. Um, yeah. So I'm not quite sure how that works. I know kids were still getting off delivered buses this week, mm-hmm. but it was Friday. So maybe it's like their long weekend. And the only kid I have like direct access to goes to like a private elementary school. Yeah. So they get to do whatever they want. And I think his spring break actually already happened. 
Ah, okay. So, I don't know. Mm. Well, I I avoid public places anyway, so. I went over to get some some coffee earlier, and there were just, like, tweens everywhere. And I was like, what? Youths! (laughs) Very much. Very much so. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what all next week is going to be like. I don't like that part of it. But. Yeah. I can deal. These these are certainly first world problems. Anything interesting happened for you this week in in, in TV, Noel? Uh, nothing super interesting. Uh, I did watch the first installment of Murder She Baked, ah. uh, Hallmark movie and mysteries uh, franchise starring Allison Sweeney, and I did a long thirty four thirty six tweet live <laughs> of it. Um, <laughs> But we'll be discussing that more next week because the latest installment comes in on this Sunday. So, ah, okay. And I'm recording the other three installments because they're doing a marathon. Why? Okay, I didn't realize I was supposed to watch all of them. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I'm going to watch the first one, listeners, and we're going to talk about it next week. We'll see whether or not I have uh, the, the willpower for an entire series of Murder, She Baked. Kate, there's a whole series of all of these. There's like one with Lori Loughlin that's called Garage Sale Mystery. She runs a antique shop and she solves she mysteries. Yeah. Uh, there's a new one starting within the next couple of weeks starting Jewel. Yes, Jewel. Okay. As a person who solves also crimes but has another actual like full-time job on the side. That's starting like in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and then there's another one with DJ Tanner that's in its second installment this year already. Yeah, you're not. None of this is is winning is winning me over. <laughs> I think honestly, I would just much rather watch Murder She Wrote, like original fl- recipe. It's sure. been a long time. I feel like yeah. I need some Jessica Fletcher in my life. You can't watch it on Netflix anymore. They yeah. pulled it. They're pulling lots of shows. April first is just like a swath of them go away. Yeah, that Fox contract expires and everything goes away. Yeah, and it like if they're gonna <laughs> more on this next week, but if their originals are gonna be as interesting as uh, Iron Fist, they got they can't just rely on those, you know. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're... but that's also like a Marvel problem too. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're gonna have nicer things, I assume, to say about Grace and Frankie, which dropped this weekend. We'll be talking yeah. about that in our week in TV. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's get, listeners. If you want to get any of your Fox TV fix, do that in the next week because they're all. They're all going away. But we should get into our weekend TV. We've got a lot of, of TV to talk about here. So why don't we why don't we dive in? Yes? Yes, let's do it. With a song in our heart. But before before we go to that, before we go to some delightful music, I'm really going to enjoy the music this week on the podcast. Noel. Um, we should mention at the end of the podcast this week, we're doing our first check-in on our 2017 TV resolutions. Um, your resolution again, Noel, was? Watching more anime, which I've done successfully so far. And mine was to watch some YouTube uh, t- series. Uh, so this week, th- this my show for the month of March is the Catering Show, and you've got a trio of animes that you'll be talking about. Uh, that'll be at the end of the podcast. But let's get into our week in genre. So enjoy a little bit of music from the Flash musical, and we'll be right back after this.
That was Put a Little Love in Your Heart from the Flash musical this week. Uh, more on that in a little bit. But first, for our week in genre, Noel's going to kick things off with looking at Into the Badlands, which had a season two premiere. Uh, we'll talk some Samurai Jack 43, Supergirl and Flash kind of together, Starcrossed and Duet. And we'll round things out with Legion. So, Noel, Into the Badlands came back. And especially, like... <laughs> Compared with the other Kung Fu show last week, I feel like this is uh, perfect timing for them to just look really good in comparison. I haven't checked it out yet. How did this one work for you as a premiere, and how does it relate to what we got last season? Does it feel like a continuation? Does it feel like they like re- rejiggered anything to like correct for issues? Or how, how did you enjoy this premiere? Uh, the premiere was fine, um, in part because I'd kind of forgotten everything that happened last year, <laughs> uh, which... That didn't help, uh, and in part also because I just didn't pay like super close attention a lot while I was watching it last year, and mm-hmm. because the narrative was kind of like a little lightweight, and so I'm hoping for things to kind of bolster this uh, this year. This was the show that I was hoping was going to make a leap uh, when we did the Smorgasbordy, and so it's very much a continuation. Uh, there's not a lot of rejiggering apart from Nick Frost is now a series regular, which is exciting. I <laughs> forgot that he was um, he had been cast as a series regular for this. So the action's still really great. Um, Emily Beecham as the Widow and um, Ali Ionides? I'm yes. butchering her last name, sure. and I, I apologize. I right. Tell her uh, her regrets here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who plays Tilda are both really still phenomenal and are like the big reasons to watch, I think. So there's still plenty of really good action, and like you alluded to with uh, Iron Fist, in a scene where they're fighting in a like an office storage area, and it has like 56 cuts, which is a ridiculous amount of cuts, and I'm getting to watch Daniel Wu kick ass with like 13 cuts, if that. I'm a happy camper, because it means that you didn't have to shoot around anything, and you don't have to cut it up to make it look good. And or look exciting, which is what that kind of choppy editing is supposed to do in part of also just hiding the fact that maybe your lead doesn't necessarily have the best handle on the stunt work just yet. And so that was really fun. There are a couple of really good instances of good stunt work with Wu. Um, Beecham's uh, stairway fight is a little too chopped up for me in that first one. But there's always good stuff coming on. And I'm more interested to see what the Widow's whole down with this kind of caste system that started, everyone's going to be equal, how that all works. Um, so the politics of Into the Badlands continues to be a really interesting aspect of it, whether or not the show's really willing to commit to them. We'll see, because there's still the stupid MK, I have a demon inside of me that I can't control nonsense that's happening, and I don't care about any of that. It's so <laughs> boring. Uh, so yeah, that was the premiere. It was fine. It was fine. It was good. It was fine. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, it is a thing that happened and you watched Right, and I, I did not hate myself for watching it. So, so it was an improvement. Step up, I was going to say. So a step up from Iron <laughs> Fist, yeah. There you go. I'll see if I can find time for into the, the first two of Like, I'm going to try to finish out Iron Fist because I'm a strange self-harming TV watcher, Masochist. apparently, um, this weekend. And if I do, then I'll try to also do Into the Badlands, too, so that I can do a direct one for one there but um yeah uh instead I, I did make time for samurai jack this week and that was again beautiful and intense and really such a gut punch it hits so hard when when it's not oil that's coming out it's like it just you don't realize 
how powerful that is, how potent that is, um, or not having seen that is until we see it here. Uh, and I think it just underlines some of the really smart decisions they made with this reboot season, um, or I should say return season. Uh, talk to me, but I don't have, I don't have smart things to say about Samurai Jack Hill. I just go, it's so pretty and the animation is gorgeous and the character stuff is really great. And I don't have anything. Save me. Samurai Jack 43. What did, what did you think? Right. So the character stuff is really great from Jack. I mean, that whole sequence with him talking to a past looking representation of himself, um, in the shell of that giant beetle, which he just demolishes. And I love that. Um, we've made a huge new giant beetle and he <laughs> destroys it with his trident. And it's just like, that was easy. And it's just like, Oh, poor Chris Parnell. Yeah. Um, but that whole sequence of him, his, his past, this representation of his past self yelling at him, maybe going, why don't you just give in? Ancestors are waiting. It's just like huge, huge. Like this is a guy who within the previous four, like series was just like, very strident, very purpose-driven, purpose and we're getting to see those ramifications even more than we got, like, hinted with the uh, mirages of his parents last week. And it was just, it was a real gut punch, because I really think about, like, how so much of Jack gets defined by the his refusal to give up. And to have a vo part of him want to give up, I think, is just a really insane thing to see represented on, on the screen for the show, but then to like double whammy it with, like you said, the representation, the depiction of blood, which I mean, I, we knew that it was coming cause uh, they had made like, no, they were just like, yeah, there they'll, there's going to be actual blood, but I don't think I expected it in episode two. Yeah. And yeah. And I like, I let out like an actual audible gasp when they blood showed up on the screen and, like, I was just as dumbstruck as Jack actually was, because he thought they were robots, too. He was talking to himself, thinking that they were robots. And it's just, it's it was huge. It was crazy. But that entire chase sequence as well through the tomb, through the temple, and then the stuff with the dragonfly and watching it in the tomb. And, oh, God. Now I'm going into, it's so good, Kate. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. But it is. It's so good. Like, again, the coloring this this week. Mm -hmm. That whole sequence with the the king the, and all the coffins, oh, it's so good, Kate. <laughs> well, I certainly didn't expect that we would get in, in episode two. Like, like we we knew that, that we were heading to blood, right? Just yeah. like they very specifically introduced human foes yeah. for him. Um, but I didn't expect that in episode two, and I certainly didn't expect it to start with him killing one of them. Right. Like, you expect maybe, like, a slice, and then he looks at his sword, and, oh, there's blood, you know? They're yeah. humans. But that's, they don't let you have that. They don't ease you in. They have him kill, kill a, her. Yeah. a young woman. Um, badass, super, you know, like, she could take care of herself, young woman. But still, um, that, for someone who's been so alone and so isolated for 50 years, like, that's, it's, it's huge. It's huge. And, yeah. and I love that they don't, to hold our hands and they don't like tiptoe into it. They really fully commit. And then um, when he's in the water and you just see the, the, the red on either side, I thought that was another very striking image. We also yeah. have to talk quickly about Aku. Yes. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I was so glad that they, that they gave us both parts of this episode. Right. And I, it, I was, I've, I, I'll be really honest after um, I was really worried about Aku um, just because Mako 
passed away like a decade ago and he voiced a coup in the original i was really worried that we were going to have a sort of avatar the last airbender sort of situation mm-hmm. where the where the person who replaced mako who voiced iroh um on avatar not a great uh stand-in for that mm-hmm. uh but this this worked for me all right uh, and i was really happy about that but the humor of it was really good i liked the whole therapist thing and the whole yeah. we don't say his name here but this is a safe <laughs> space and i mean it 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 also it it set up like jack talking to himself as well yeah. and i really liked that and that these two guys that had been locked in this mortal battle for at least 50 plus years don't know what to do with one another and themselves anymore because Aku's just bored. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. No, it, what, it, what do you do when there are no more worlds left to conquer? Well, you know, just like I just figured you just die and then I could just you know, and and yeah. I can't imagine the exhaustion. They're doing a, such a terrific job with the voice performance and, and the animation, really capturing like the whole body physical exhaustion of yeah. being alive and unaging for fifty years and yeah. isolated that whole time. Um, so, uh, again, they're bringing this up right away. Like, honestly, just kill yourself, you know? Yeah. In episode two. I love it. Yeah. It's yeah. like, again, pulling no punches. Samurai Jack, so glad it's back. Uh, it's been terrific. Any final thoughts on this episode? No, no, no final thoughts. Other than more people should be talking about it, because I don't see anyone talking about it. Maybe it's just, maybe I need to expand my Twitter bubble, but yeah. have you seen people no, talking about it? I've seen, like, two tweets about it. I mean, like, one's coming from Eric Thurm, who's uh, covering it over at AV Club, and then a couple of other folks were, like, one person I saw was just like, I think Samurai Jack's pretty much the best thing on TV right now, and I, I, I kind of didn't dispute that, because mm-hmm. it is so good, but also, like, Underground's on right now. Yeah. <laughs> There's a um, lot of good TV right now, but there's a lot of good TV, but it's Jack's certainly like right up there. It's in the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. Um, well, a, sh- a show that we definitely had lots of talk about this week, at least in, again, in our bubbles was the Supergirl flash crossover. Supergirl was star crossed, um, its own standalone episode until the very end of the episode. And then we had flash duet. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about Supergirl first, and then we'll kind of talk about the end of the episode into, into the, the crossover musical. So, there's, I, I would like to talk about the Monel of it all, no, yeah. because we have a lot of uh, people we're talking to on Twitter who really hate Monel and really yes. hate the show and really like for what how they're depicting the Kara Monel relationship and um, feel who feel like the show has utterly betrayed its feminist um, ideology. ideology. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about Monel, and how do you feel about the way that they the show is handling that arc, and the also the the fan reaction? Right. So it's kind of a thorny issue insofar as I really, really, really like Chris Wood's performance a lot. Yeah, and that he's able to be really goofy and really vulnerable at the same time, and I think that carries a lot of the water for what's ended up being like a series of just really terrible writing choices for Monel. In so far as that he gets to be wrong all the time, but never really gets in trouble for being wrong all the time. And when he's right, he's a jerk about it. And, but then everyone comes around to him being right. And then just kind of get over the jerk part of it. Mm -hmm. And it basically boils down to the fact that he's a really Wood's performance is really good, but the character is just super bland and also just constantly relies on the fact 
and this is alluded to in a lot of the fan reaction, is that it's Kara constantly forgiving him for being an idiot and mm-hmm. for being a doofus. And in this case, for lying to him, for lying to her for nine months. Yeah. And so I, I don't hate him as I don't hate the character in any real way. I just, and I, but I've always been one of those people who differentiates between, I don't hate this character. I just really, really hate the writing mm-hmm. and what they're doing with the character, um, which has gotten me into trouble with like Hannibal fans concerning Alana. Um, where it's just like, I like this character just fine. It's just the writing's really bad. <laughs> and so that's where I kind of land on is just like, it's really bad writing that's made Kara just kind of, look overly compassionate in a, and in a very uncomplicated way, in an a overly forgiving sort of way. And I think Duet and the realization that she has in Duet really drives that home in a really stark way because it doesn't... It happens way too quickly and it doesn't make any sense when it does happen. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it also just boils down to the fact that they've got five episodes, four or five episodes left, and then they're in the home stretch of the season. And they can't deal with, they need some sort of like big conflict between them that isn't this lying. So that when something else happens at the end of the season connected to him in some way, shape or form, since mommy and daddy came back this week, mm-hmm. that's how I think that they're setting it up so that it just all feels really manufactured at this point. And the fact that it's resolved so quickly just, I think, indicates that it was really manufactured. How are you feeling about it, though? Well... I think that there's a couple I think there's a couple issues that some of the criticism of the Monel uh handling and the and of the criticism of Kara's reaction is forgetting. Sure. A, a little there's some you know, a little creative forgetfulness. Um first of all, I absolutely agree that the 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 entitled, like, it's great that Kara's standing up for herself and saying, no, I don't deserve to be lied to, all these different things. The fact that then she then goes back on all of that every time gets a little old. However, this is also someone who lied to her best friend about, you know, the fact that she was an alien for years and years. And then we saw when she told him in the premiere, in the pilot, but her, but Kara and Wynn were friends for years. Very close, very, very good friends. Well, she was lying to him the whole time. And her mm-hmm. sister lied to her for years about being a secret government agent. And Kara got over that really quickly, too. So, like, <laughs> this is a character who has not only lied to all of her friends and for good reasons, but still lied to her, her entire everyone who wasn't her immediately immediate blood relatives. Um, or, sorry, adoptive relatives. Um, for most of her life. And I think she can understand, therefore, like, I think it makes more sense for that to be something that she can understand and get over quicker. And we've also seen her get over that with her sister, get over that with James and with Wynn um, for the whole Guardian thing. Kind of lesser extent. I feel like she's still upset about that. Yeah. But we don't also get to see them together ever anymore. Well, yeah, there's that too. (laughs) But but you know what I mean? I, I, I feel like, okay, but she, yes... The fact that he lied is a big deal, and that, and the fact that he is not respect. I mean, to me, the much bigger thing is that he doesn't respect her individuality and independence. Um, and it could just be that I'm much more willing to give um, credit to the character for progression. Like he's going from being a completely 
bubbled, entitled, whatever you want, whenever you want it kind of character in his backstory and what we, the little bit we see this week um, through to where, like, I've seen that growth in the character as well. And also, like you, like you, I think Chris Wood's doing a terrific job with the, with his performance with the character, so that really helps. So maybe I'm just much more willing to give it benefit of the doubt with that stuff. Sure. But I think some of the like I'm very pre- protective of Kara as well because she's delightful and wonderful, and Melissa Benoist, uh, Benoist is just like sunshine in in superhero form. It's delightful. Sure. But I do think that like people make stupid decisions about their love lives, and so the fact yes. that Kara is doing that maybe. Um, or certainly, like the show could be handling this much better. Certainly, they should be writing Monel much better by not having him be a jerk face when he's right. Just actually let him be compassionate and correct without having to have show a half of an episode where he's a dick before you let him be correct and compassionate. And nice. So I think that they certainly could be doing it right. They could be doing it better, but I, I don't know. I don't know that it necessarily deserves as much flack as it's getting. Um, so we'll see. I'm sort of on the fence about it. I, I'm very excited, as I'm sure everybody who watches Supergirls, that Katie McGrath is now a regular for season three. Yeah, I'm Supercore. Supercore lives. Supercore uh, lives. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no I'm, I'm excited. I, I Like I was talking about with you and uh, Brandy on Twitter, is that I I kind of expected that just from like the fact that the whole Lena Cadmus stuff is feeling increasingly truncated. Um, but also just like her general presence on the show brings a couple of dynamics, but also allows them a couple of different, also easy, um, at storytelling avenues in terms of like business type stuff, but also Kara gets someone else to talk to. And I'm always game for Kara to have someone else to talk to because she, she should be able to talk to everyone and it's always delightful. <laughs> yeah. And it also lets us have more of that. Not everybody knows she's Supergirl thing, which yeah. I think in this kind of story can be useful so that you can explore yeah. the the difference it's always hilarious to me when when alex is is like car has been like shot in the face and collapsed she's like supergirl's like oh come on you everybody here knows she's Kara. you right. would be no, saying Kara in the deo when she shouts supergirl i'm just like wait no they all know they all know she wanders around in like the gray sweater with the button down <laughs> and the skirt they all know come on <laughs> um what did you think about the stuff we got with win um, it was fine. Um, uh, I, I felt kind of bad that he got suckered into this whole thing and conned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really liked that they let Jeremy Jordan play anger. And that was really, really good. Like, I mean, considering that I felt like this whole subplot didn't, didn't have a lot of space up until this episode, th- he did a really nice job selling how really upset Wynn was about all of this. And that pretty much like kept me going for the rest of the subplot was his anger and how really upset he was. And yeah, so that that's basically where I landed on it. I could have done without James showing up mm-hmm. to solve this particular problem, but that's also kind of the show's fault for me going, right, James is a guy that exists on this show. <laughs> um, so I liked it. Um, I, 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 I remember, like, I was talking with Nick about it, and he was just like, how do you fence Starry Night? And I just went, Nick, it's so much easier to fence pieces of art, like, in outer space. It's much easier. <laughs> and, but that's basically how I felt about it. It was silly, but Jeremy Jordan's performance basically, like, kept me going through it. Uh, how did you feel about it? We've talked about this before. 
Jeremy Jordan is really, really, really good. And if you give him anything, (laughs) if you give him anything to play, even if it's very stupid, as we saw with his backstory in season one, he's going to nail it. So they give him something to play and he nails it. It was super fun when it was fake, not really win, you know, shapeshifter win, a couple, you know, several episodes back. Yeah. Yeah. That was terrific as well. So like, it's just, it just. And we'll talk about this a little bit with the um, with when we get over to Flash here in just a moment. But he's very, very good, and he's being completely wasted. So it's yeah. nice when they actually give him something to play. And I also want to mention, I read this terrific. Oh, I should have pulled it up. Uh, I'll link it in the show notes. I read this terrific article talking about the the coding of the character of his girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, Lyra. Yes, Lyra, that- Lyra, something Lyra, like that. Yeah. Um, and the the writer was talking about how they view. The character is being coded transgender um, in this talk of like, oh, we're actually going to have a relation. I'm just used to people treating me like an experience and all this different stuff. And like the, the character's awareness of how they're viewed and like not fitting in in the, the restaurant we saw them go to on Valentine's Day. like yeah. and, and it was a really interesting, a really interesting take that I was like, oh, that totally. I don't know if they're intending that, but that really, really works, I think. So um, I'm curious. Do you have any thoughts on that? Without having read the essay, um, I don't want to speak to mm-hmm. it. And yeah, but it sounds like an interesting way of viewing that character and also kind of separates it out from a lot of like the immigration storylines for it as well, which I think is uh, kind- the immigration aspect of all the aliens thing kind of got, for me, a little wonky this week with that storyline. Mm-hmm. So giving it a different spin, I would appreciate. So. Yeah. Well, I think uh, having such a direct, I mean, Supergirl is many things. Subtle is not one of them. Having such a direct parallel uh, with with uh with Kara and Monel this week with Wynn and and Lyra or Lyra, um, I think I think worked. And and I I loved getting to see a different ending to this story than we usually do, where he's like, yeah, okay, she shouldn't have done it, and it's not okay, but I love her so. Uh, I get why she did it in that her same position. I would probably have done the same thing. And it, is it worth, is it something that I'm willing to deal with to still be with this person? The answer is yes. And you have to decide if that's the case for you. I thought that led very nicely into the flash as part of why I'm more okay with the, the flash, uh, way too easy resolution of the Monel Cara conflict than I know many people are. Um, yeah. Let's then let's, let's use this to transition over to the flash musical. How did you feel about that? Did that, did they pull it off for you or were you just kind of not buying all that? Like the, the, the idea that the, the music meister was trying to get those crazy kids back together. <laughs> I, I really see. Here's the thing is that like the flash musical for me, um, is very much aware of how easy all of this ends up being because even Barry says everything's much easier in a musical. And I feel like <laughs> that that's, that was their get out of jail free card. Basically was, yeah, it's a musical. Everything's going to get resolved really neatly. This isn't Les Mis. This is something else. And that's, it's a happy musical, not a sad musical. <laughs> and so everything's going to get resolved. And so I liked it. I liked that. Music Meister was just wanting everyone to be happy as opposed to like trying to cause chaos because we had Mixie a couple of weeks ago and we didn't need another Mixie. And 
to that to that point though i was also just like realizing after the realization of um what music master was wanting to do i was just like this should have been rachel bloom and not darren chris because the <laughs> intertextuality of all of that would have been amazing <laughs> but she still she wrote super friend so um that's that that was nice um so no i liked i liked that and i liked how just kind of optimistic and upbeat it was um it it doesn't totally work for me again to how quickly she goes from yeah i'm really upset with him to oh i'm gonna joke about throwing a mountain on top of him and then oh he's so pretty <laughs> or just this idea of like yeah they have a healthy stable relationship they're talking about physical violence towards each other that's great right but also at the same time they can both survive having a mountain dropped on top of them important <laughs> distinction important yeah. distinction yeah um i i really enjoyed the flash musical i mean it's uh, what do you think of of next week doing like a deep dive on musical tv episodes because i kind of like to go a lot into it but i don't i don't think we have the time this week I don't, yeah, I don't think we have the time this week. Maybe next week, yeah. Maybe next week, yeah. Um, but, so I, I don't think it's, because I don't think it's um, anywhere near, like, my top, it's probably not in my top five TV yeah, no, musical yeah. episodes. Um, and so some of the talk of, like, it's the best TV musical ever. I was like, oh, no, oh honey, no, no. Not, like, in the there same were, conversation. There were only five songs. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even just outside of that, what I think worked really well for this was the specificity of it was a old timey classic movie musical. Right. TV musical. Um, yeah. So they didn't just randomly sing and, and ha so that there could be songs there. There was a very specific take. So like we talked about on this about this on, on Twitter a little bit, but I mean, like, honey, aim higher than Audrey Hepburn for who you want to sound like vocally, because no, no. I mean, I love Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Kara loves funny face. That is amazing. I was so excited about that. But don't be like, oh, what singer should I sound like? Audrey Hepburn. I mean, come on. Uh, but but having having them very specifically key into those forties, uh, fifties MGM musicals, I think was yeah. very smart for the style and the tone that they wanted to go for. And when they have lines like, "Dude, everything's I guess just easier." Yeah. People just get convinced really easily. And I thought that worked so beautifully. It really helped the the tone of everything and kept things moving along mm -hmm. um, nicely. So so having that specificity, I think, was really great. But the, the trouble that I had with it is, um, first of all, uh, Melissa uh, Benoist, uh, Benoist, she, um, she is a, a very good singer, but she did not sound good on Moon River as soon as you listened to, to it back. Uh, it was too slow. And there's, you could hear the auto tune kick in partway through notes, and the intentionality wasn't there with the, the like the breath control that you need for that. So if they even just clicked it up a couple notches faster, it would have I think gone a lot better. Um, I think they didn't serve her well with that yeah. song choice. Um, I think that uh, the <laughs> um, the the Barry song at the end, "Running Home to You," actually worked really really nice in having that be something he sings in the real world. That's yeah. the kind of emotional punch that I wanted from everything. So when everything is just an alt reality, Wizard of Oz, it was a dream the whole time, you don't get the same emotional payoff that you do in something like the Buffy musical and like some of the other, you know, or, or like the, the Devil's Hands or Idle Play things from um, uh, Futurama. You know, there's something we can talk about if we ever get around to doing a segment on, on the best TV musicals. But so you have these really great singers. Uh, I thought that the... Um, 
put a little love in your heart. I was like, oh, these are the real singers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, Darren, Chris, and everything, but let's Jeremy Jordan and John Barrett, let's have them sing more and less of all the rest of y'all. Um, I didn't really care for Super Friends. I didn't think it was that good. Um, it, I thought it was like less interesting, Rachel Bloom, not as, as significant or interesting or fun as a lot of other people did. Um, but then they just like, like, so all the feels, all the feels for for more I cannot wish you, which I thought mm-hmm. was a, such a smart pull. It like worked so well for every, and that's I'm sure the only reason they had mobsters at all so that they could do guys and dolls. Yeah. Um. So like the songs themselves, when they had the the really terrific singers, as opposed to the just very solid singers, they they added so much more pathos and emotion to everything. Like, why is she singing Moon River? There, like she's singing Moon River because she likes Audrey Hepburn. That's not a good enough reason for her to sing that song. Put a little love in your heart. They're singing that song because that's the like, spoiler alert. Here's what the entire thing's going to be about. They're singing more. I cannot wish you again on theme with the entire story running home to you on, on theme with everything. But the other two moon river and super friends just were sort of filling time. They were just kind of there. So I, I think that they're just, there's so much they could have done better. I love, I, I had a lot of fun with the episode and uh, I'm going to stop talking in just a moment here. I promise and throw it to you. I've been monologuing for forever. But um, I, I really had a lot of fun with it. I liked the, the the energy of it. I hope they do more. I just hope that I really hope they do more. It becomes like a yearly thing. And then they can bring Music Meister back as like a Q kind of scamp figure. Yeah. I think I think Darren Chris is really good with that and would be mm-hmm. a lot of fun in that role. I could totally see that working in this universe. Um, but then make the next one center on win. How much better would that be? Because <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Jordan showed that he could really act while he's singing. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and, you know, of course, all of the old pros can really act while they sing as opposed to just sing and then act afterwards, which is yeah. what I think a lot of the other stuff ended up ended up being um you talk for a while i've been modeling to like i rate the song screen which ones worked for you uh, i liked super friend um a lot more than you did um mm-hmm. and in part i think a lot of that hinges on the fact that i think uh gustin benoist are just so adorable together and they're adorable they in are. this entire episode like their whole discussion about kicking in the door it's so good <laughs> <laughs> and i just i loved it and so I, I liked soup. I liked it, even though some of it just like didn't work. I was just like, Barry, how do you know about her cousin? Mm-hmm. And but I didn't care at the same time because it was just like this is this is really cute. This is really fun, and we got to see him tap dance. And I was just like, I was there for that. Mm-hmm. Um, though I agree with you on like a lot of like the technical stuff as well, especially like it's super obvious in Super Friend about like all the looping that's done, and it drives me. It drove me up the wall. Um, and it was really difficult to get past that because some of the the mix just wasn't very good, I think, with a lot of this. Yeah. And it came through also with, like, the Guys and Dolls one a little bit as well in that it's just the mix, again, was just kind of bleeding through sometimes. But I really enjoyed the fact that we got Garber, Martin, Barberman singing basically, like, as a trio. And it was just, it was really good. And I like Barry's reaction to it, like standing up to clap. It's just like, Barry, <laughs> you're so cute. You're so cute when you're not being sad and be cute all the time. Because no one claps in musicals, but this is adorable. And of and- course, how could you not? This is amazing. And yeah. Right. Yeah. No, definitely. So 
I like that. I agree with the Moon River choice. And I remember, like, I saw a tweet from you before you saw the episode that you were just like, she sounds a little flat. And then they make a joke about her sounding a little flat. Mm -hmm. And I just went, oh, Kate anticipated the joke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the trouble, though, is that we're supposed to think that he's being overly harsh. And, and like, and and I... Because they wanted to make it sound as the best as they possibly could. And then, then for the music you know nerds then we're gonna enjoy that but um i don't know just did you know for example chris wood was in the national touring company of the little mermaid chris wood can sing i didn't know that yeah why didn't they let him sing i don't know (laughs) you kick in the door and if this is a musical then there's a song about it and then like i'm sure kenneth Patton. i don't know if she can sing or not but i'm sure they could get her through it you know yeah and then we'd have then instead of having them deal deal with how they're feeling um by like in, basically off screen like yeah it was kind of hard to see that i thought about that between the last two scenes you can actually have a song where they're like you can't you know make rules about our love and that kind of thing for the in the musical you know in in the right. in the dreamer world and then barry and car are reacting to that and you actually get to watch them deal with this idea of well if i break up with this person they're gonna move on to somebody else they they ha- they have to i really don't want that like you have the perfect opportunity for what a musical does best in that scene and they don't take it. And I, this is part of why I I tweeted about this this week that I really, it's going to be hard for another show to top the Buffy musical because the Buffy musical knows like really engaged with the format and the genre and in the way that um, crazy ex-girlfriend does every week, knowing what musicals do best and taking advantage of that to really explore the characters. And so while it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it is one of the best episodes of the season. Definitely. That's a low bar to clear though this season. So, but I wholeheartedly agree with your article that you you put up over at TV guide about this is the, the show needs to get back to this tone because this is how the show works best. Um, It's still like, when I watched it, I was like, that was really, that was really a lot of fun. And it was, it was super, you know, like it lived up to enough of my expectations, but I can see what it could be right. with these pieces that they have, you know, like I could, and it, it could be something really, really special if they're willing to do that. And I I don't know that they are. Right. And I think a lot of this and like with the article that you mentioned that I wrote with like tone and everything, a lot of it also comes with the fact that. I feel like if they had like built momentum to like something like this is, and I mentioned this at like the end where tone plays a big part in one of my reasons for not responding really particularly well to like how quickly Barry comes around to this and getting over his sad hoodie watching singing in the rain stuff (laughs) um, is that all of this is really played really seriously. And then we have this fun 1950s MGM musical hijink type stuff and then we go to a very serious pop ballad and I just go, but, but, but type of thing where I, I want you to build up to this in a tone sort of way. So it feels really special as opposed to, oh, well, this feels more of a piece of what you've been doing. And we also just got Wally out of a scary speed force jail. And now Jay Garrick is stuck in it. And wow, this is all really sad. And also Iris is still supposedly going to die. Mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. So it's just like, if you're going to do this sort of thing, I'd, I like a little bit more like looser build up to it in terms of fun. And this is why, like I suggested that they need to go back to being fun because then you get to do, you get to basically have space to build up to this idea of a musical build up type of thing. Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to play like a mixed tones thing to like once more with feeling is that 
you need to really super engage with characters then. Yeah. And like you've said, it's really difficult to do that when only two people are the actual characters. Yeah. Um, and everyone else is Grady, the tickling the ivories <laughs> guy here. Yeah. And God, Jeremy Jordan's so good. Yeah. He was so <laughs> um, fun. And and the little bit that they gave Carlos Valdez was also delightful too. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really happy that they gave him a little bit to sing. Even if it was still really weird that I John Barrowman singing this, I'm just like, but that's Malcolm. This is really weird. But how sweet was it that they had him name his kid Tommy in the all oh, reality? I, oh, it was so nice. <laughs> Even though, like, this idea that they peopled the world with people that they know, they yeah. don't know they don't know Malcolm Merlin. That's ridiculous. But no. I don't really care because I want to no. listen to John Barrowman sing. Um, no. The other, th- my last thought on this is they've dipped their toe in the water. They've yeah. done their musical crossover. Uh, next time they do it, if they do, they need to fully engage with it. They need to spend and budget the time and money that it takes to do a two-parter. I think it needs like a yeah. full, you know, and enough. So- you don't all need to be original songs necessarily, but yeah. to to really follow through with an arc to, to develop because songs take time. Yeah. So to have, and you know, to really do it right. They've seen what they can do with not a lot of budget, I don't think. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it. And only some of their singing. Like, Kylie Lee sings, too. She sang, uh, did a decent job, at least, in the Grey's Anatomy musical. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not even in this. They, she definitely could have sung. And, of course, Laura Benanti, who plays, you know, Cara's mom, is an amazing voice. Uh, so Have you know. her hologram sing next time. Well, you, you, come on. We're in headspace. It's certainly her mother could be there. Come on. Right. Yeah, no, Absolutely. that's true. We see Barry's mom all the time. So uh, that's my final, final thoughts. Any final thoughts from you on Supergirl and the Flash? No, I, I just think that you're right. That uh, two-part type of approach is probably best. Um, finding a really solid arc to do it across would be a really good idea. And it would let both casts sing, which I think is also really important. Uh, but so long as you drag Victor Garber back as well, it's also <laughs> a really good thing to do. And have him, have him, at, and you know what? Just have him also still be in whatever musical universe that the next one takes place in. Have him still be Jesse L. Martin's lover. Oh, it was so nice. <laughs> like I, you I, got a problem with that? I no, like I listen to musicals, so. <laughs> No. I really don't. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Well, as as listeners are going into this segment, we heard some Flash musical. We're going to hear some Flash musical going out of this segment as well. Uh, but we have one more show to talk about before we wrap up our weekend genre, and that is Legion. We had our penultimate episode this week. Um, I really liked this episode. I had so much fun with it. And um, while I, I think the show's balance of style and substance, there's not enough substance at all, but the style is really good and the amount of substance we are getting for me is working i think i mean i was i was thinking about this this week i'm curious what you think about this i was comparing it to season two of fargo um which also had a lot of of style and it had a lot of you know really terrific if you focus down on the performances were really really good but the whole thing just kind of faded in my memory i was trying to think of why this was connected to me more so much more fully and i think it's the I think it's because the headspace, the elements of Daniel uh, David's sorry struggle with with the the Shadow King and and where these different characters are at lends itself so much easier to the style that we're seeing here that it's more impactful for me as like as and as an expression of the character subconscious as opposed to just for its own sake. Am I giving it too much credit, or, or do you see? Are you, do you also see a connection with the style? At least to some extent, not as much as it thinks it does, but to some extent connecting in with the substance in the characters. 
Well, can you give me like an example that you're really feeling like where this is connecting, like a like a really solid example, like where you're seeing this through line? Well, just the fact that we're this battle of wills between David and the Shadow King it has to be a mental battle. How are you going to show that? You mm-hmm. show that by the being in the hospital and the walls are deteriorating and the shot selection and the, the eyes on the walls and all that. I think that's just such a better way to show, to externalize that conflict and mm-hmm. to give a window into what, sort of what David's been going through his whole life. This is the manifestation. This is the culmination of all that, but he's never been safe in his own mind. And I mean, I, I I think that that just works so much better when you have superheroes and you have these sort of metaphysical things as opposed to in a real world setting like Fargo. Okay. Um, so no, no, okay. um, fair enough. <laughs> well, a lot of it also has to do with the fact that David's not involved in any of this, mm-hmm. like for the most part in this episode, it's everyone else trying to get out of this illusion. He's stuck in a box talking to his rational self who is British of course and it was fun right no it's fun but it's also just like but it's david catching up with the rest of us and it's kind of like tough watching they try to make it as entertaining as possible by having the chalkboard animation and having dan stevens with his actual accent i think that's his actual accent or a variation of his accent and because i can't remember downton abbey very well um so it's like a lot of this, plus the really quick flash of the wheelchair so that we really get what yeah. we're supposed to be getting. And also the fact that his chalkboard dad is bald, which should also be a really clear indication. Um, but I just, everything else is happening to everyone else. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing with the asylum and the eyes and then the weird con- zombie constructs that Carrie's constantly fighting, that's all happening to other people. <laughs> and I don't, they're the ones trapped in like a psychic like prison asylum type thing. And I do agree that this is a really good way. And I even said it last week, this is like the best way to represent this sort of astral plane, like battle of the wills type of thing. And I think that that's really the, the best way to do it. I just, I don't connect to any of it. Like when Carrie's upset that Carrie left her, I, I, I feel bad about it because I like both of them, but I also am not like particularly broken up about it either. And I also kept going, well, wait, what happened to Ptolemy? Yeah, Ptolemy, yeah. Ptolemy, he just completely disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the, and I forget, I forgot, like, what happened to him. Because, I mean, like, last week I had forgotten that, like, the guy with the machine gun has actually been here in mm-hmm. the in the wheelchair the entire time, kind of out of it. And I just went, but where did he go? Because he was completely gone for this entire rescue mission and then he's just magically okay again Mm -hmm. and so there's like these little weird gaps where i'm just like i'm not really liking this and i don't really need ravel's blero playing while (laughs) you guys are sorting all of this stuff out and so i'm not really responding to it in any way shape or form because i really don't feel like there's a lot there for me to latch onto. um and so, like, when we get to the end where it's just like, oh, Division 3 is back, but you forgot. And it's just like, no, I didn't forget. I just didn't care. I don't care. Yeah. And, well, as much as I enjoy Hamish coming back with half his face scarred, because Hamish is amazing, <laughs> I just kind of don't care about anything that's happening. And 
I, there's not a, there's really not enough substance there. I, it's all very pretty. It's all really well acted for the most part, but it's just, I wish I cared and I don't care and I want to, but I don't. And I feel bad. I, I think it was a significant misstep to not have Tanami be the one who helps them break out, you know, to bring back right. the, uh, the guy that we'd all forgotten was even there. Um, because then we forgot that Tanami was there too. So like they didn't yeah. have enough things for people to do. Like right. they didn't have enough for Carrie and Carrie to do. They knew that they needed to be separated so they could get to the emotional beat they wanted to get to. Um, but then there was nothing for Carrie to do besides shriek and run and be scared. Right. Um, so, so they just didn't have enough roles for everybody for the yeah. number of people that they brought into this setting. Um, yeah, I, I don't disagree. Uh, I think it just, th- these little beats work for me much more. That, that Carrie and Carrie thing really hit me, really worked for me. And as a, like, sort of season-long compare, uh, like, counterpart, the Carrie and Carrie are counterpart to David and Lenny, I thought that that also worked really well, that idea of thinking you can completely trust this other person who you share a body with, and then even in the best of intentions you're feeling that sense of betrayal for me that that comparison worked um but like i'm i was really affected by melanie like her husband totally forgot who she was because he's been there for so long he's been gone for so long um it, but it, but still remembering carrie it, implying a much longer relationship with him than with her like i thought that was really interesting and i thought Jean smart killed it and i she does and they, yeah. the way that they played that at the end was not at all what I would have expected. I thought that was really interesting when she's just, like, totally underplaying it or, or keeping what she must be feeling in, inside and just and being grateful that he's back at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really an interesting way to go with that. I don't care about the thing at the end, and, and obviously we're going to have <laughs> Lenny get out <laughs> um, and help them with the baddies who showed up at the end, but... Um, I don't know. I ended up liking these two parters, this these two episodes, much better because I liked the, I liked the second one so much more sure. than the first one. Um, I, I would have liked a more active Sid. I liked how quickly she's she like she just understood what was going on with Carrie. I like yeah, <laughs> that was great. That's a nice little moment. I don't but, need uh, you to explain this to me. I have all of this. Just give me the glasses, which by the way don't make any sense. But sure, let's go with it. Sure, <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, yeah. So so I I think. For it just worked a lot more for me, I guess. Um, and I think it, some of this is also just I'm just so willing to go with superhero shows as we've right. proven, <laughs> <laughs> and even I, bad ones. <laughs> well, I think so. a lot of it also just goes to like some of their style choices. I still just don't understand where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. Like this, this goes back to like the Bollywood number from the first episode, where it's just like that number just feels completely unmotivated within the context of the narrative. It's like there's no mention of Bollywood, there's no Bollywood mm-hmm. presence with anywhere within that episode. And yeah. then like this week, we get an actual silent film sequence with mm-hmm. intersexual cards, and I don't understand why it's there apart from the fact that they now have Lenny hair and makeup semi-styled in a German expressionism point. So they mm-hmm. want the cabinet of Dr. Caligastro. Caligari. Caligari, sorry. Caligastro is a Lupin the Third film. Um, <laughs> playing off of that. And I just went, well, I get I get the idea that the mental asylum is all in every, everyone's head and that's what you're trying to draw the connection to. But it doesn't make any sense that it's happening here narratively. 
And that's where I like latch onto is like a lot of the style stuff isn't motivated by anything other than the fact that they want to draw a connection to something else. I don't know. I think for me, this is much more connected than the Bollywood one. The Bollywood one, I agree, came out of nowhere. There was no thing. There, there was no, no like hint we were given of a connection to, to David's headspace and an affinity for that genre um of 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 film or anything or or even music or anything uh to explain why that his his mind would go that in that direction or why we'd be seeing that particular expression of where where he was at um with this i thought they they i think the idea that the the facility felt safe and felt stable and felt like home i thought that they established that that's that worked for me and the idea of um for Farouk or the Shadow King going to a side like they already played with sound in the previous episode or no, two episodes ago yeah um so which had hinted that we were in David's mind then which is the resolution here for the not getting shot which made sense um so I, I thought returning to that made sense this idea of uh of the Shadow King embracing a larger than life demonic role um Caligari style I thought that also made sense um, for Lenny, more than specifically just the yellow, the yellow eyes, like that right. that manifestation of Lenny that we've been seeing all season, I thought that fit with with their personality. Um, like, like I could totally see Lenny being like, "Let's go, let's have fun with this," you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm just willing to buy into it more. I, th- I, don't, yeah. I don't have I don't have a good reason to <laughs> other than I, I mean I do think the the mental institution or the facility feeling more safe I think that really made sense to me but other than that these other stylistic things felt more of like an extension of David's headspace and th- th- then what we were seeing earlier in the season I guess yeah I guess agree to disagree yeah pretty much okay. it's That's just cool. like yeah because I mean Sid Sid never believes it's safe. She's always like really wondering about like what's going on mm-hmm. um, throughout it, which I doesn't completely undermine it, but like it, it slowly starts to decay really quickly. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, even like with Carrie and Carrie, like they're both aware that something's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know that it ever necessarily feels safe. It just feels off for a lot of them until then it becomes a mm-hmm. zombie infested, yeah ward of doom <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i guess yeah. yeah well fair enough well what was your week in genre then uh i'll give it to samurai jack again i think i did yeah. it last week too um yeah. but it's such a good episode um so but flash musical like just underneath it but uh samurai jack was just too good this week again uh what about you yeah no definitely and then so samurai jack just uh, underneath it, the Flash musical. I really did enjoy it. And then underneath that, but not far for me, is Legion. So, mm-hmm. And then the other, there were other things that happened that we watched this week. But you know, Arrow, things went down, and Tolkien, whatever, on Legends. But it's all about, Sam- it's all about Samurai Jack. Um, now, yes, we could listen to Bolero. But for me, it's very odd to watch anybody else use Bolero in the cinematic sequence. I feel like it's already been claimed. You know, like, why are you... Anyways, but um, instead we'll listen to to Jesse L. Martin sing "More I Cannot Wish You" because I'm not turning down that opportunity to, <laughs> to, to for our listeners to hear some of that. Um, so we'll we'll listen to a little more flash musical and come back with our week in comedy and drama. Velvet, I can wish you for the color of your coat and fortune smiling all along. 
comedy and drama Noel's gonna talk a little bit about grace and frankie season three then we'll talk superstore mateo's last day jane the virgin chapter 58 the americans or i should say i'll talk about the americans the midges um before we go to underground ache Greenleaf, strange bedfellows and we'll round things out with the good fight social media and its discontents so first up is grace and frankie and Noel, when i saw that the season was released this morning as we record i was like oh he's gonna be so excited Noel's, Noel's going to be so happy. So how does season three live up to, at least what you've seen so far, live up to seasons one and two, of which you are a significant uh, uh, outspoken <laughs> defender? I'm like one of, one of the few people watching this show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it seems like anyway. No. I, well, first of all, they gave me like a two and a half minute recap, mm-hmm. which was great because <laughs> I was just like, I, I just needed like a quick primer on everything that happened uh, last season. So I was really glad to get all of that. So I've only watched the first three episodes and they're following through with their thread of last from the end of last season where Grace and Frankie decide to develop a vibrator for older women. And it's like the crux of the first three episodes is them like securing funding for this from a bank, then from a business incubator and then getting the funding some other way and then like needing to do a focus group to find women who are willing to use the Mm. product to get feedback on it. And it's all really good. It's all really funny. It's all very like sex positive and talking about a type of sex life that we normally don't see depicted on television. We get it sometimes in movies to a lesser extent for with certain actors and with certain comedies, but like a prolonged engagement with that kind of thing, I think is really fascinating. And it's also really, really funny is the other thing. So they're just like really excited about like the fact that it's much lighter than the typical vibrator, (laughs) that it's got a light up display for the controls, that it's, it's very soft in like some of the handles and it's, it's really good. It's really funny. They've actually got like a prop that they use for it Mm -hmm. and it looks like an emoji eggplant emoji. And it's so (laughs) funny. And, but then like all the other navigation stuff of like their husbands getting a new house and also like how they're exploring, uh, moving on to like their next phase in their relationship and lives with, uh, Martin, Martin Sheen and Sam Watterson who continue to be great. And while I was watching it and then like, navigate just this whole idea of uh, Martin Sheen's character has been cast as John Adams in 1776 and uh, Sam Watterson's character did not get cast even though there are 26 male parts he did not get any of them (laughs) which they drive home like a couple of times there's so many parts (laughs) there's so many parts I know that so well yeah (laughs) and he's just like there were 26 I didn't get one and he's just like no dear and it's, it's really funny but I went back and I thought about some of the conversations that we saw at Clexicon about like the minutia of a queer relationship, and we're getting it really with these two men mm-hmm. and like how they navigate like this, and in this like age as well, I think is really significant. So watching them like ne- watching them like play hooky 
uh, so they're unpacking their new home, but also that they're also rich and white enough that they have a smart house where in which uh, Sheen's character can listen to um, Gilbert and Sullivan while in one room, while Watterson's character is able to listen to Little Richie in another room, mm-hmm. and they don't hear it was one another musical, and they can just dance and mm-hmm. do whatever. It's just like it's all really cute and sweet and fun. And you don't get to see that kind of thing depicted all that often. And it's really, it made me think about those conversations that we heard at Clexicon about wanting these kind of like smaller than life type of type of lived in experiences. And we're getting that really with these two characters. And I really like that aspect of it. So I'm eager to watch a lot more. Um, the fact that I'm like playing Mass Effect right now because it just came out this week, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, but Grace and Frankie's out this week. Maybe I'll just watch all of that, and Mass Effect can wait because I want to <laughs> watch people over sixty be really, really funny. <laughs> is where I am right now this weekend. So I'm, I'll probably end up finishing it <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> Great. Well, you'll have to chime in and let us know what what uh, what you think of it. Um, yeah. With the whole season, and should I just like jump in with this and watch some of these? Should I like? I think you're okay to jump in, honestly. Like that's like one of my things. Is I think it's okay to jump in with this, Um, in part because it's still very much a sitcom. In Mm -hmm. that a lot of the relationships get like reiterated quite a bit, and so there's not like a whole lot of catch catch up catch up that needs to be done with it. And if there is any, you can just text me and let me ask and i probably will not be able to answer you because again i forget everything (laughs) but also there's that two two and a half minute recap that catches you up and i think that was really helpful okay and also may speak to who they think is watching this Mm. yeah i didn't think about that but that's a that's a that's an interesting thought anyway yeah yeah well because i i just didn't connect with the first what i saw from the first season that was fine but not enough to to sit you know, like to, to make appointment viewing. So yeah, maybe I'll just jump into season three and maybe it'll yeah. feel more, you know, the, the journey you go on with the show as you watch it, figure out what it's best at. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, next up here, our week in comedy is Superstore. And we had to talk about this one um, because they like crushed our hearts here <sighs> with, with, with Mateo and, um, and the, watching him, watching them break up at the end. I mean, in, in a week when there's or week <laughs> in the last several months where there's been a lot of discussion of immigration and of documentation status and what that means for people and what the, the realities are when you when policies significant nationwide policies change in a meaningful way who ends up getting deported who ends up being in danger like that's a risk this is a risk that at a different time maybe Mateo could have felt like he could make but it's not one that he can make now, and it costs him this relationship. I think with this this development, the fact that it comes so much after we found out his his documentation status, I thought was brilliant. Um, the fact that they bring it back in this way, I thought worked really, really well. And in doing this, they've given us our Jim and Pam, because I care way more about them than I do about Amy and Jonah, which they still want to play with sometimes. I, I think it was really smart, even though it did crush my heart this week how did you how did you feel about superstore i was similarly crushed this week by superstore and mateo and jeff in part because like you said i i i kind of forgotten that he was undocumented yeah and i was willing to overlook the fact that it didn't really make a lot of sense mm-hmm. that he needed to refile all this paperwork to transfer <laughs> yeah uh but 
as a story crux to keep him there because that's what they needed to do. Um, I really liked it. Uh, but also, like, the thing about it is that it was so much with the Dina and um, Garrett stuff. It was also so, like, playing off against defining relationships and defining how all of this works uh, and how you navigate that. I, th- I just thought it was really, really good. And so when he's, like, breaking up with Jeff at the end, I'm, I'm just, like, crushed. I'm just like, ah, no, no, mm-hmm. type of thing. And I was just, it was, re- it was, I, I, I was, I was very sad. I had a lot of feels. Yeah. And then I had to go to bed because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was so sad. But, yeah, but like you said, it's just all of this stuff, like, gains so much relevancy because of the current climate and that he has to keep himself somehow above just below the radar so that Mm -hmm. he can keep like making money and not get deported and everything and that they're still able to find some humor in it with jonah just keep just keeps (laughs) offering to marry him and mateo's just like i don't want to marry you it's like, oh, thank I'd rather you, you beat me up. Seem not so bad. I now I'm really okay with you punching me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, why can't pacifism be a male trait? <laughs> and so, no, I, I just, I really enjoyed like this entire, the entirety of the episode and how they played everything off. Yeah, the the stuff with Dina, uh, just like that conference call and her history with, uh, the department. You know, everything, uh, was delightful. And and the 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 various like machinations to get us to other uh was was a a lot of fun and really felt appropriate um yeah i that's another dynamic that i got i you can see that they're starting to move towards changing that and i really don't want them to just leave it leave it here because it's it's delightful at this point where it's at they've got a lot more they can play with the dynamic as it currently is and um yeah and I feel like any place that they take that relationship that's different is something we have seen other shows do more. So I'd rather kind of keep that the way it is now, you know, with, with those two for now and push that down the road a season to the one of them developing feels. No, I think that's a good idea because so much of this is like them trying to define their relationship in a way that's comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. but still recognized by corporate. And I will never, ever get tired of Cloud9 conference calls ever, ever, ever. Because they're too good and they're too real. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, their whole thing about needing to, like, parse out how they feel about one another. And, like you said, that whole journey to other box, I mm-hmm. think, is really, really great. Because nothing fits for them. But they're still needing to acknowledge the fact that they're in a sort of relationship. Yeah. And I think that in and of itself is enough of a step. That they don't need to do anything else right now. Yeah. And so like punting it a season or more, I think is I think is good. I think it would be interesting to watch them like, well, we put other on the paper. That was like a commitment, okay? We made a Cloud Nine commitment to other mm-hmm. and watching them figure out, like you said, like what it means like if something else should occur. Mm. And yeah, I'd be interested in seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um let's move on to Jane the Virgin. Talking about feels, uh, what do you, what, how do you feel about the Petra Raff rekindling potentially, as well as the uh, very foreshadowed Zoe and Rogelio? Uh, okay with the Petra and Raff thing. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's been heavily foreshadowed and I'm not at all surprised by it. And also just, 
I feel like as soon as Raph was just like going to be locked in as room dad, mm-hmm. just the best idea. <laughs> um, was really good. Um, the Rogelio and Zoe stuff, I, I feel like you and I are probably on the same wavelength insofar as it's not fresh or interesting and Bruce's presence of being aware of it doesn't give it any like extra edge because we don't care about Bruce. Yeah. Or at least I don't care about Bruce. And that I think is like where I'm coming from with it. It's just like Bruce being upset and suspicious and angry about this doesn't really make it a big deal for me because I don't care about how Bruce feels about it. Because I don't care about Bruce. But I kind of, like, appreciate that they aren't trying to make us care about Bruce. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Go on. Well, compared to the the stuff we got with with Michael and Raph and Jane, that triangle um, in season one and season two, like, I kind of appreciate that they're like, yeah... We're going to make you like Bruce enough. Like, he seems like he's a good enough guy, nice guy, whatever. Like, we have dealt with the backstory, cleared the air, stable relationship. Uh, but we all know that his, he's not going to stick around and that Ro and Zoe both are. So, you know, it's like, we know that you know that that's what this is. So we're not even going to, you know, try to force. You know, I, I kind of appreciate that on a level because there's only so much time in a given episode and I, that's time I would rather have watching Rogelio and, and Mateo uh, get get bes- bespoke suits. <laughs> oh god that was so cute. Get get him some silk lining so he's not as itchy and just like oh that is adorable. <laughs> also how do you have the money for that Rogelio? You're no, in- pay no attention. He's got a suit guy. Come on. So yeah yeah it's just I, I'd like to I'd like to feel like I don't disagree with you that I like that the show's trying to like not like force this, mm-hmm. but I I I, I think the inevitability of Zoe and Rogelio I think just kind of undercuts a lot of this, yeah. or at least the perceived yeah. inevitability of it kind of undercuts a lot of this for me. So I feel like I'm going like you've been discussing, especially for the past couple of weeks since the time skip, is that we're just going through motions at this point with this storyline because they couldn't figure out a fresh angle on all of it. And I think that's where I am with it is like, there's no fresh angle here. So I'm not really willing to get too deep into this because I feel like we've seen all of this before to lesser in different forms. Yeah. Let's just fast forward to them back together and find other things for them to do. Sort of. Yeah. I'm at with it. Um, however, I am here all day for Alba looking amazing. Oh, God. Killing dress. it. Yes. The hair. And oh, so good. It was great. I was so happy about that. And then she got a date out of it and it worked. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, <laughs> yes, this is fantastic. This is how this is supposed to work. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was, it was, I, I was very, very happy about all of that. Even her falling down. I was just like, oh, no. But then I was just like, but it's totally going to work. Yeah. Yep, yep, definitely. And how do you feel about uh, Jane potentially back on the prowl? I'm a little concerned about the timing. It's like, do we really have to make her available just as as Raph and Petra getting back together? Like, please tell me we're not going to get another Raph, Petra, Jane triangle. Yeah, I I don't really want that to happen. I don't I don't even need it to happen. Mm-hmm. Really, I'd much I I'd really much rather see her explore some legitimate other options outside mm-hmm. of the core task basically yeah 
and to see how that goes because she know I, I want basically a fresh dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I want a fresh dynamic that doesn't feel creepy weird like it did with her teacher. Yeah. Um, and But also creepy weird in that they neither of those actors had a great deal of chemistry either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd, I'd rather see something along those lines, like some new thing. Maybe with her bomb agent, man, that really just oh, kind of... No. Some, need some explosions, man. Well, that's her editor, so that would already... Editor. That would be a messed up dynamic anyways. <laughs> that, but... That's true, but... I also just look forward to him describing everything as some, like, explosions, man. That's all you need right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I look, I'm look. i looking forward to, to getting some movement with Jane on this stuff. Um, I think that the the easing out of appearances of Brett Deer over the last few episodes have been uh, intelligently handled, um, yeah. kind of easing the, the audience out of him. So, so having him pop up several times and then just, you got this once or twice... And then to now she can go through the story without crying and we don't see him in this episode. I think that was very smart for kind of moving the audience along with the characters. And I mean, I'm, I'm back ready to see her writing again, but, um, you know, hopefully her next love interest will not have a power dynamic over her because that's been an issue with all of her, every single one of her love interests. Yeah. She, a cop called to report her. Like to, to like take her in is the, her husband and then rich baby daddy, uh, who was also her boss at her hotel and her teacher. Like, can we just let's freshen up the dynamic a little bit here, Jane? Yeah, yeah. And I think like maybe like that uh, that realization about women with dynamics and trusting the, women with power dynamics and trusting them more than necessarily men period mm-hmm. um, will be like a start of a realization about like power dynamics for her and mm-hmm. where she needs to go with that and where she is like now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Next up, uh, we're going to switch over to drama. I'm going to talk just briefly here about the Americans, the midges, the stuff that we're getting with the Americans with the grain, discussion um this season i think has been really terrific um i like we get more great stuff with Paige. holly taylor continues to be really strong with what she's doing and how she's handling it uh i i'm actually intrigued by the stuff with misha not so much i still don't care about the Oleg stuff i just i just don't but no martha martha was back like very oh, briefly yay. why did she come back she well we just saw her shopping in russia that's oh, all. okay. You saw her at a grocery store that Oleg went into to interview somebody. And so I was mm-hmm. like, oh, Allison Ray's still on the show. They wouldn't have shown her if they're not going to use her. Yay. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, very, very intrigued. But this discussion that, that, like, the bringing in a defector from Russia who hated it there um, and the complicated dynamics between him and his wife and the, their son to counterpoint with with philip and elizabeth and obviously their kids i think was really smart and is working really well to continue to explore the question of them staying them going back at some point to russia how russian are they how american are they what can they trust what can we can can they believe and especially not just playing that for on their level but for the audience's level and what we think we know of what was happening at the time as well i think it's just been handled really well and it's 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 you know, this is a show that knows that knows its characters, knows its audience, and has a really deft hand when it's engaging with history. So that I think that's been been going very well. I, I don't care about Stan's uh, new girlfriend, which we got very little of, 
but we'll see we'll see what they give her um in the next few episodes um i also really don't care about the, you know Paige and matthew so um, i like Paige. i don't really care about her first boyfriend being stan's kid and everything um so we'll maybe hopefully that'll get a little bit more engaging i just don't i don't connect with matthew as a character at all um so that makes it a little harder because my only end of those scenes is Paige. but um mostly my takeaway yes there were a lot of these the, there's some really interesting sequences and this you know poor researcher dude gets killed when he don't go back to the office late at night if you're doing governmental secrets don't you're gonna get killed you're gonna get killed by russian spies don't do it um but my number one takeaway was martha so i had well, to mention it <laughs> that tip about not not going in for research late at night is probably just has way too many real world applications right now so mm. everything for you to keep in mind people at the epa yep a little bit, a little bit. Okay, let's move on to <laughs> Underground and Ache and talk about oh, Ache. Oh, God. Just so, so many McGill. things. Just <laughs> why is he not on my TV always? Oh. So glad he was back here. Yeah, and just everything in this episode, apart from the Patty Cannon stuff, which is good. Which is good and historically somewhat accurate, too, which is neat. I didn't know about her at all. Oh, you good. didn't know about her at all. Yeah, she's she's interesting and horrible. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but no. Uh, sh- yeah, no. I was really glad that they're like upping her and like Maloney's character, who I actually thought wasn't coming back, mm-hmm. will be back and working with her, and I'm excited about that dynamic. But no, this is this is the Ernestine and Rosalie show this week, and boy, boy, Rosalie had a really bad day. <laughs> yeah, she really did. Now, how did you feel about her being saved? by a white guy well let let's i i feel like saved is an overstatement yeah but but you know what i mean yeah like she like and and i i think i think what you gain from that is worth what you lose yeah i guess but i don't know for me it was like well i mean he does the bare minimum like the barest of minimums. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. And, and obviously there are plenty of reasons why he does that. I mean, yeah, it's way better for his book. Yeah. No, that's the thing. It's just like, but, this is not a selfless act, but just, just this idea that she, she wasn't enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's a really bad day. Uh, well, the, let's, let's recount everything that she goes through. Okay. <laughs> Cause she's shot. She shot. She digs. She digs the. Bu- she digs the bullet out with a dagger. I was just thinking so much in this episode of the the informed opinions segment from back when we I had a couple doctors on the show talking about mm-hmm. things like talking about it doesn't help to take out the bullet. The bullet's not the problem. They always right. like they're obsessed with digging out bullets on TV, but that doesn't doesn't, that doesn't solve, solve anything. anything. That right. if anything that'll actually make it worse because now you're gonna bleed more. And you know, well, the other thing they said. That's why you shoot yourself with gunpowder Which is to cauterize thing. the wound. <laughs> this is the other thing. This, this was one of the pet peeves of one of the doctors who came on who said, that doesn't, you're just going to make it worse. Don't do that. <laughs> you don't, we don't go around cauterizing gunshot. You, you bind it. You put a bandage. You don't cauter. Now you've just burnt yourself. That doesn't help. <laughs> so she does that. She gets covered in leeches. <laughs> yep. Uh, Which then gross. She- 
which is gross. Uh, but we should also mention that she's like gone a little bit deaf because of shooting herself in the shoulder. Yeah. Yep. Which is really well depicted in this episode. This mm-hmm. is a style choice that makes sense. Legion, <laughs> hint, hint. And, okay. <laughs> and then she Oh, she's has, also pretty pregnant. She's pretty pregnant, which we found out this week, right? We found out at the very end of last week. At yes. very end of last week. Uh, so she's she's pregnant. She has to fight a guy off and then stabs him in the eye. Yeah, she always gets kicked in the stomach, but turns and gets kicked in the back. She gets yeah. beat up a lot. She gets beat up a lot. She buries herself alive to hide. No food or water this whole no time. No food or water this whole time. And then she gets bitten by a snake. Yeah. <laughs> and then she needs a leech to, to get the poison from the snake out. And then she eats the leech. Yeah. She has a very bad day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And all of this, really, like, all of this also calls back to, like, Samurai Jack this week. And a lot of this happens without any dialogue from Mm -hmm. Rosalie. And it's done uh, almost entirely, like, in silence, apart from, like, noise and grunts and some scoring. Like, it's all really well done. It's all really captivating. And it's juxtaposed wonderfully and beautifully and so elegantly with flashbacks and everything that Ernestine's doing at the rice plantation because <laughs> oh my god Kate like yeah. oh my god like I legitimately thought like they were going to kill Ernestine I like really thought they were going to do it in episode 3 mhm <laughs> I'm 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 glad they didn't but yeah I thought that they were going to do it <laughs> Oh interesting yeah I didn't think I didn't think so um, well, after Sam, I feel like anything is on the table with this show. Anything is on the table. Don't get me wrong. But I think because then why did we see all of that? Like well, if we I've... connected to another character on that plantation more and that mm-hmm. could be someone that could then intersect with Rosalie and become a more prominent figure, then then I, that would make more sense to me. But because at least for, for myself, like if, if I felt a stronger connection to the the, the woman who had been pregnant, who wrote, uh, who Ernestine helped out, like if, if we had spent more time getting to know her, then I'd be like, oh, they're handing it off and now we're going to follow her. But because we didn't do that, I, I was not, ex- I was like, well, maybe they will, obviously it was. You know, the show is willing to kill its characters and just to, to show some of the the cost and the experience and the type of life that these people had, the, you know, slaves at these different plantations and these different people in this time and in this space. Um, but I just on the TV level, there's there's enough convention to Underground that I did not. I was like, we're going to I think we're going to see her again. I, I you know, who knows? how and i think the fact that she didn't choose to come back up or she didn't like self-defense like survival kick in and do it i think that was significant um i'm really looking forward to what they do next but yeah it was certainly like the even just the visuals of that and rosalie in the mud um and and ernestine in the water it was just beautiful just gorgeously shot and like even like that entire like back and forth cross-cut sequence like the whole the heavy connections that they're drawing between the two of these women throughout this episode, but then also like at the end there, like the, um, the, what you need, the, what you need to do to survive for the sake of your children stuff. Mm -hmm. And like the keep the increasing like close-ups on Rosalie's stomach throughout Mm -hmm. that sequence is just like driving it home as well. And it's really, really elegantly done. 
and yeah. it reinforces everything that the episode's talking about mm -hmm. about with survival and at what point can you not reasonably expect yourself to survive anymore and oh it's so good kate this show's so good <laughs> it is it is so good however i have a question for you okay based on the fact that there is some level of convention to the approach of underground um what do you think the chances are that that she actually gives birth to the kid and keeps the kid because rosalie is not going to be undergrounding when she has a kid right so they need to keep her as the main character i feel like that pregnancy is not gonna make it all the way or or the baby's not gonna be alive when you know like stillborn or something Either of those is a possibility. Um, uh, something else I think is also a possibility is that the kid is given to Jessica DeGao's character. Okay. Like, Rosalie gets taken? Because I don't see Rosalie giving up her kid. Right, but also, like, depending on, like, how she, how committed she is to this, to a certain extent. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, I'd, I'd be more willing to bet that something happens with the pregnancy, especially based on everything that yeah. today um within the context of this episode but mm -hmm. if they don't necessarily want it and also how like tubman reacts and deals mm -hmm. with that i think is also going to play a part um but yeah i guess we'll see but i i feel like that's a storyline possibilities that they give it to the gal's character because mm -hmm. well, remember she's wanted a kid for so long yeah. That I mean, was the entire crux of like half her story arc last season. It was a terrible <laughs> crux. It was really, really bad. And they were wise to like shift away from it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah. But because uh, that's something that has been occurring to me, like especially watching this episode where it's like the, the, the importance that this season is putting on children and on, especially for Ernestine um, sacrifice the sacrifices she made for her children, what that cost her, whether it was worth it, all these different things is such a crux to where she's at, where Ernestine's at. And then now also in these, this episode where Rosalie's at that I don't like, I was just watching this and been like, mm, I feel like there's a ticking down clock. I don't know that this show works or that I buy it with Rosalie, um, having a kid and giving up the kid or, um, you know, like leaving the kid behind to go save Noah or something. Like, I don't know if I buy that. Um, making me think of Lost. <laughs> <laughs> certain things I don't necessarily buy <laughs> in the last season of Lost. But um, I don't know. We'll see how how it goes. I, it's not like I don't. Have, I trust the writers, but um, yeah, that's certainly it's it, that's now in the back of my mind when I think about Underground. So uh, I did not mind not seeing Cato at all, and that oh. tells you how awesome this episode was that I yes. wasn't going Cato. Right? No, I I'm actually I was actually like throughout the episode's really great, but like by the end of the episode, it's just like a I didn't miss Cato, but b I was also really like I'm really glad that we got a delayed gratification on this. Because next week I get to be Kato. Hopefully, I <laughs> yeah. don't think I can go another week without like that whole thing with Kato being explained. Because yeah, I really want that explained. <laughs> uh, the other thing we should definitely mention briefly is the the performance sequence, the music sequence yeah. at the house, because that was amazing. Right, and I I was worried about where that was going to go. Like as mm -hmm. they're just like shoving drinks in his hand, I just went, yeah. 
oh, this is going to go bad. This is going to go bad. Yeah. And then it went bad. In a different way. <laughs> In a totally different way that I was not expecting. And it's such a knockout scene. Like, the entire mm-hmm. episode is just filled with knockout scenes. But I think that may be, like, the one scene onto itself that's not cross-cut with something else is, like, that's the standout right there. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, like, e- even just the expression on the women working in the house. Right. You know? Yeah. And... Like, it's just, it's terrific. It's right. it's so good. Uh, Underground right. continues to kill it with their music. Just how quickly they go from, yeah, she she's really getting into this and she's really scaring them to, oh, she's... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This is going to go bad. <laughs> this is dark. <laughs> this is bad. There's something yeah. else happening here that we are not privy to. Yeah. <laughs> what do you feel about the um, the inclusion more of the war? Civil war? Yeah, I'm not Encroaching sure. at the edges? I'm not sure how I feel about that just yet. I, yeah. I'm, I need more basically mm-hmm. um, to see how that's playing out. Um, in part, it's just because I keep forgetting that it's yeah. a thing that's happening right now yeah. <laughs> within the context of this. Um, even though like it was like kind of like in the background with some of the um, Reed Diamond stuff a little bit last season. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I don't know yet. I haven't decided because like when they showed up in uniforms, I just went, right right that is a thing yeah mm-hmm. i don't know quite what to do with that just yet yeah you do you have like how are you feeling about well because i just had not thought about that because we're so in the direct experience of our characters that i hadn't thought about what that meant and where we are i don't i don't keep track of in any way that the actual like chronology and the time right. frame of where when this is set specifically um so i was like oh yeah that's a thing. Uh-huh. There's a lot of different ways they can go with this. And we'll yeah. see what they pick. But, yeah. That's all. I, I was just curious what you thought because I don't know what I think yet. So yeah. I guess we'll have to wait for a few more episodes before we have a, a you know, a lock on, on sort of where we feel, you know, the, that can come into the story and have that make sense and work with everything else that's going on. Um, inevitably, it'll, it'll, I feel like it will have to uh, to yeah. some extent. But, but yeah, we'll see. Um, let's move on though to our next show, which is Greenleaf, um, which I was behind on last week, but I'm all caught up now. This week we had uh, Strange Bedfellows. I thought that, um, uh, first of all, you were absolutely right. Oprah's terrific in these, in Thank the first you. episode. Um, I love, well, it's just such a different approach to the character yeah. than what we got last season. Well, yeah, she's like rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. Well, just in case she was, she was feeling a very specific role. Yeah. Last season, and then this season, it seems like no, no, they want her to be a character, yeah, which is very different. So I like what they gave what they gave her in the premiere. And for me, um, I mean, I liked both episodes, but I think the premiere is the stronger of the two. And yes. um, it came back with a bang, and now we're just gonna kind of follow out and see what comes next. Um, yeah, what do you think about Stranger Bedfellows? Uh, I really like it. I think one of the big things that I'm while I was thinking about while I was watching it, especially because of Jason um, Durden's performance, he plays Skanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the pastor at Triumph, um, he's he's leaning in hard on the villain stuff, yeah, in really delicious ways. Like his whole conversation with Jacob ap- uh, after the um, singing audition, and just the whole thing about I'm giving you all of this on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. I took you out of your father's shadow. All of this and like his turn on the dime type stuff that he's doing. It's all really good. It's really exciting. And then I was immediately like, how many villains does this show need exactly? 
Yeah. Because that's where I was. It was just like, I, I'm excited for it, but I also have Mac in the wings, like, waiting to, like, some stuff with him and Gigi to start coming forward now that he's out. Anything with Lady May is, like, within the church that, that's dealing with, and she's not really necessarily an antagonist in the way that Skanks and Mac are. Um, but she's certainly an antagonistic force, depending on the storyline. So all of this stuff, I'm just like, I don't necessarily know how many of these I need right now. Um, so I'm worried about things getting a little muddled in a lot of cases, or at least like too, too many things, too many like pots being stirred mm -hmm. at once. Even if I like all of the pots being stirred right now, including like Rick Fox showing up <laughs> as a super hunky reporter, um, like that man is always really good looking. Yep. Um, <laughs> so all of that playing out, I'm, I'm, I, I want to see how they balance everything. And that was really what the second episode was: is like making sure that we got all of these sorts of storylines starting to come out after dealing with the fallout from the season one finale in the season two premiere. So I'm excited to see more. Um, but I'm totally with you in that the first episode is this back is a much stronger episode where this was very much like. Here's everything we're going to be doing this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things I was uh, speaking to your, you know, sort of rising concern about too many spinning plates. Uh, yeah. I was very glad when they, well, I guess they don't, they really don't. Uh, can they just kill off Lady May's dad, please? <laughs> because, because then the book will be closed on the fire thing. Yeah. And well, then I'll, cause... it's not, it's not closed because skanks. <laughs> It's going to keep that open. <laughs> yeah, but legally, as far as in the courts. Legally, right, yeah. So that yeah. that so that we can be like, okay, there's still plenty of ramifications from that, but we're not going to have the cops show up and take him to jail and, like, have all that, like, to, it, it contains the world a little bit in a way that I think is really helpful for a show that's embracing more soap uh, aesthetic yeah. and, and, and storytelling uh, types. Beats, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing is true with, with Jane, where it's like, the the crazy dynamics that we get back and forth with the different characters um, and the ever evolving <laughs> ridiculousness with with Petra and, and everything about her family and all of that uh, works way better when we then aren't theoretically having characters get arrested every you know like at any at a drop of the hat. So um, when when it's all of a piece in the same tone, it works better. On Greenleaf, it felt like the the prison stuff was much more seriously taken um, and less heightened than than the, everything else. So if they close the, the door on that, I feel like that will make me feel much more confident um, in what's sort of coming next and keep everything. Then it also puts, um, you know, our, our great foe at Trinity here um, into not being able to use legal methods sure. for his revenge. Which he doesn't really want to do anyway. No, he doesn't really anyways. As, as, yeah. But I think that'll just be more fun, you know? Yeah. So. We'll see. But I, I did really like what we, what we got here. I think we should also mention, I like what we were getting with um, with Carlton. Hopefully that is not done. We'll get more explored with that. But I like that, uh, I mean, talk about a show. They, they, they keep bringing music in in such a lovely way. Poor Sophia, totally getting the, the third degree from the boy she likes. That was harsh, man. Yeah, but that you're better harsh. off without him because he's a tool. Look at him. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yes, it makes sense. You're, you know, you're all... Teens, yeah, your teeny eyes, yes. but yeah. you know you're better. You're way better off. Um, but but I do like the the different dynamics that we're seeing at the church and within the family. So 
having Jacob, you know, have this newfound passion and ability to communicate and once he's just far enough away from his father that he's not feeling that same pressure in the same way, yeah. having him actually be a really good uh, speaker and, and preacher, um, I think was actually a terrific move for the season. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that Gigi isn't, she hasn't regained her previous glory, I think is also really smart. So I really like how they're handling all that and, and we'll see what comes next with it. But uh, yeah, glad we caught up. I also love Carissa's response to their new house. <laughs> and yeah. just like, this has a carport. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, Carissa is so unhappy. And I kind of love it. <laughs> well, just like leaving that insane mansion. Of just, right. And like the fact that this is like the show, the setting of this show just feels so, and we like Gigi so much, Grace so much that like, it's easy to forget that they are bilking their parishioners of all this money so they can live in a mansion. These are horrible people who are who are using religion, faith, and the stuff that they claim to believe to make themselves, like, wealthy as sin. Like, everything about this is terrible, but they do such a good job with the characters that it's so easy to forget. Um, so I like having that contrast with the parsonage, which is a lovely house that any other person would be happy to have right. given to them for free, I'm sure. Yes. But yeah. But Chris <laughs> is just like, nope, I do not like this. This is the best house in this area too? Nope. Don't like do this not area. Like this. <laughs> there, are, there, are dead, there are dead leaves on this lawn. <laughs> what is up with that? Who's going to rake these? Not me. Yeah. That would not work with, with her nails. No, certainly not. Um, any final thoughts on Greenleaf then? No, 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 I'm good. Okay, well, let's move on to our last show of the week then, and that's The Good Fight, social media and its discontents. Um, okay, I have two things. Sure. Uh, what I want to know your thoughts on. Uh, John Cameron Mitchell is delightful and super fun. Oh, he's so good. So good here, right? He's having, also, he's having so much fun. The start of this episode and in the setup, I think, is so strong, and the ending is so is such a cop out and so terrible. I was like, I I was so frustrated watching this episode. I was like, oh, the good fight, oh, the kings. You you really think you gave a clever answer to this? You really think you solved it, and you didn't even a little bit. This is a very complex, complicated, challenging issue that you just tried to be like, oh, just don't feed the trolls, and it'll be fine. Well, that's their response to the internet in general this season. As yeah. also, like, I mean, remember, like, their whole thing, like, Luca's advice to Maya is just don't pay attention to it. Yeah. And that's that's their response to the internet is don't pay attention to it, which feels like a jab at critics in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And fandom, it's not. I don't think it is. It's yeah. just a very outmoded way and a very analog way of thinking about this sort of thing. Yeah. And ignoring the fact that for a large section of people, like half their lives are the internet. And yeah. no small part of that is being, especially if you're a woman, is being harassed on the internet by yeah. men, right? The platonic ideal of men rights activists as represented in this mm -hmm. <laughs> episode. And uh, yeah, the idea that, well, if we just ignore you, we've taken away all your oxygen problem solved is yeah. like it, no it's a complete cop-out and it's very much in keeping with how they've always sort of approached the internet anyway yeah but yeah it's it's the only thing that kind of redeems it is the shadiness that of how neil gross uses the firm mm -hmm. to do this which is oh god it's such a neil gross thing to do and i love <laughs> neil gross he's yeah. the worst just yeah. the worst <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I because I had so much fun with this episode, but then especially because it's in it's in Diane's voice, so you know that this is what the show thinks is right. This is yeah. what they, they think that they have the answer. It's like, okay, so just ignore the trolls. Just don't feed the trolls and just go on being harassed about how people are going to kill and rape you all the time, and then that's fine. Just don't press charges. Don't, you know, somebody doxes you online. Just don't pay attention to them, and the fact that they're stalking you will just go away. It's like that people's lives and livelihood are on the line with this stuff. Right. People, and it's... Go ahead. They, they just... Oh, just don't pay any attention to those bullies. Does not work. Right. And, I mean, they really drive that home. Like the like you were saying, like the first half of this episode, particularly like the first 10 minutes, first 15, 10, 15 minutes of this episode, mm-hmm. are really strong in that we get an actual discourse about how the internet should... Speech on the internet should be regulated. Yeah. Like from... All the women being basically just like, we need to consider this in a slightly more nuanced way, especially within terms of context. And yeah. Julius being like, well, we shouldn't really be doing this on sensitivity. Speech is speech. It's not going to harm anyone. And then you've got um, Adrian being like, well, the law. And it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, guys, both of you are very missing the point with <laughs> what the point the other women here are making, but also with the point that the show is making. Yeah. Before it quickly backs away from that point at the yeah. end. Yeah. Because we get and- an actual like discussion about all of this and covering the gamut of actual conversations people have had on the internet about internet speech. <laughs> Well, and it was so lovely to see that and to engage that, yeah. and to, you know, because that is such a, a significant issue for people. I mean, like we're, we, we've met in person once. We, we communicate entirely online. Yeah. And, and uh, there are lots of people who their job is they just can't go offline. They can, but then they lose their job. Right. Um, and, and so seeing a show it, like like the good fight engage with this is was so exciting about the in the first half of the episode i just i wish the show was willing to it it would be nice if the show was willing to come to the conclusion that they don't have an answer yeah and I, and, and that would that's show a lot more kings though that's not their thing they never <laughs> yeah. do that and yeah. um just acknowledging yeah it's really thorny and complicated and we haven't solved this issue but for you John Cameron Mitchell, Milo, um, that's the solution for you. And and it would have been nice if there was a little more specificity to, or nuance to, to that. Because, again, like, like you're saying, the first part of the episode really engages with that in a nice way. And the the way that that pushes things forward to this, this conflict with Julian, who's now going to leave the firm and all that stuff, I thought that was actually really terrifically handled and having that be an overstep um, by by uh, Delroy Lindo's character, uh, who I just, he's always Delroy Lindo whatever Del Rolindo, um I thought was really smart it happens a little too soon well but... 10 10 episodes but yeah it happens a little too soon but yeah and the, the the fact that this was a doubt planted in his mind and and I like that Diane's like that doesn't because she of course also worked with him for years, for years over at, yeah. at, at Lockhart so like she for all we know she knows him better than that he like she was working with him longer between then, their, the two firms than than these right. other people are so I, I don't know. I thought it. I thought it. The whole thing worked overall, and I liked I, that. I liked so much that, of course, it wasn't Julian at all that was doing this. And hopefully, well, again, maybe this episode should teach me something. Maybe we won't get the nuance of it. But it'd be nice if we got more nuance with that character and like a conflict between these two firms moving forward. 
we probably will because like uh the fellow who's playing the um the heart the guy's name is heart the character's mm. name is heart is a terrific actor like a ter- total veteran i can't remember his name off the top of my head but they who's wouldn't heart? cast uh, the, oh, the other, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah the other, firm. the head of the head of the other firm, um, yeah. is like a terrific actor, and they wouldn't cast that for like a one-off type of thing. Mm-hmm. So they probably locked him down for like a couple of episodes going forward. But I'm excited to see. I I I just like to see Julius in court once. I feel like we've seen yeah. him in court twice, maybe. Yeah. Uh, when they were able to secure Michael Bo- Boatman, <laughs> um, so. Yeah, that was all good. What did you think about... How are you feeling about the Rindell stuff? And the <sighs> fact that now it's starting to like kind of come into the firm, basically. Even though it's coming to the firm through the Department of Justice thing and not through Maya, which I feel like is a really weird choice for them to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, in part because I was talking about this with someone on Twitter, is that Maya doesn't seem to do anything. So yeah. when she says she's busy, I kind of go, are you? Are you really <laughs> Because you don't seem to do anything, and no one knows your name except Diane. <laughs> She's doing grunt work. Yeah, and 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 so I don't need to watch her do grunt work. I don't need to watch her like go through files and double check things. Alicia and... got to go to court all the time as an associate. Well, yes, because Alicia was like Alicia, the, right? Was was the main character? Um, but Maya is arguably the main character of this show, or she was going to be. Yeah, theoretically, but I don't know. I, I think it works way better having these other. I'd much rather spend the time with Luca and and with uh, Diane, obviously, and and certainly with um, Erica Tazel's character too. I'd love Barbara. to see, yeah, yeah, even more of her um, than to see Maya in court. I mean, I'm sure we will at some point, yeah. but I'm much more focused on the other leads than I am on her. I like that they are having the Rendell stuff come into work and come in in a more roundabout way instead of it just being a directly um, familial issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that, obviously, we have some confirmation that somebody in her family is is a baddie, which we all knew. They're <laughs> all shady. It doesn't matter. They're all bad yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, but like like having her doubt that I think makes sense, but having that confirmed for us again, because it's so much more interesting than, no, my pants are framed. Um, it works way better this way. So um, again, the show is better when it's not mired in the Rendell drama. So bringing it into the firm, making it be more of a legal battle, I think is much more interesting. So we'll see where that goes. But like this episode, again, similar to the previous episode, had a lot less with the interpersonal dynamics of that family. And I thought it was much stronger for it. Like a a (laughs) Susan, a little dollop of that works. But more than that, I think throws the the show off kilter just because Maya's just not the most interesting character. I think uh, Leslie Which is the show's fault. Right, yeah. But... Yeah, again, I we don't know much anything about her with Luca. How do you feel about about like the Luca as uh as Kalinda 2.0 uh was really coming off strong this week, right? Yeah, it's super strong this week. Um Yeah. But she and um Kush Jumbo and like Justin Bartha have so much chemistry that I'm willing to let it go a little bit. You know, and and because he pulled his car off the road. Right. I'm willing like, to go with it. Right. And also just like <laughs> Their whole their whole interplay about coming up to his house, I thought was uh-huh. really, really good. Oh, so you're rich. Am I? Am I really rich? And just like that play of it, like it's just mm-hmm. like he knows he's rich. Yeah. He's not an idiot, but like mm-hmm. that whole thing. But also, yes, because he made sure to like take the car off the road. 
I was very happy about that because I was really worried about where that was going. To is go. is he too carry 2.0? Really? You're getting a carry 2.0 vibe from him? Just well, just because of like the rich family and like working in the DA's office. Like it just I'm seeing Well, one, I'm... he's he's not a DA. He's like an AUSA, which is Yeah. Quite a few steps up. But, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. the the opposition, the other side. Yeah. Um, kind of. And I mean, he is like the ethical person and Carrie was always mostly the most ethical person on the show. Um, so yeah, I can kind of see that. I hadn't made that connection, but that's interesting. And like they're flirting over the food at the bar and stuff. Like I'm just getting a lot. I I would like for that because I enjoy both performances. I enjoy both actors. Um, and I would just really like to really feel they are much more distinct Mm -hmm. than they are. And I mean... Kalinda never really felt distinct, so it might be hard for them to to do that with with uh, with Luca here. But I don't like the the traits that they're giving her are pretty much all Kalinda traits. So I would like them to specify her a bit more. I can see that, and a lot of this also just boils down to the fact that Luca was never super super well defined last yeah. on the last season in terms of she's very direct, which was. <laughs> Kalinda, but in a roundabout yeah. direct sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she was very direct. She was very driven. Mm-hmm. and But she was also, like, savvy. But, I mean, all of these things can be applied to Kalinda in a lot of ways, too. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, oh, I'm not going to be able to unsee this now. And yeah, broke you, the glass. Ah, thanks so much, Kate. Maybe we should <laughs> just move on to the New Year's resolution check-in. Because now my now when I watch the episode this week... Gonna, it's all ruined. It's all ruined. Well, before we get there, what won uh, your week in comedy and drama? That's a good question. Uh, I'll give it to... Because uh, this is an unfair mix. This It really is. If you want to <laughs> separate it out, I'll allow it. Okay, great. So I'll give it to Superstore and Underground. Um, mm-hmm. Just so that I can not have to pitch hit apples and oranges against one another because it doesn't seem fair to pair ache against mateo's last day because that's just dramatically unfair um so (laughs) those two episodes what about you yeah no those are the two for me too i I love the americans as well um but the there's the what we got in underground this week just inched it over the americans and uh and yeah i mean i would give it to underground over superstore they're very different like you say yeah. but um but yeah so i'll, I'll give it i'll give it to underground this don't week. make me choose between my babies <laughs> <laughs> um now as you said though we should get over to our resolution check-in so we will take a break and come back with that right after this Hi, I'm Kate McCartney. And I'm Kate McLennan. We've both got family histories of dementia. Welcome to our world. Isn't it great to be back, McCartney? Yes. Isn't it? Said yes. The paleo diet is a modern-day food cult largely undertaken by activated nut jobs who are sick of having friends. The last wedding I went to, the venue burnt down. Now, I didn't do it, but I can appreciate good work when I see it. Bye now. Everybody knows that McCartney is the worst. I'm so bored. She can't eat gluten, fructose, these things, this thing. Oh, it's totally fine. I don't even really drink. Probably this f***ing thing. like this whole thing's more about you. You're wrong. Now, McCartney, you know I have clinically diagnosed control issues. You're going to be making your own FODMAP-friendly samba. Oh, no, no, no. I can't talk about it. But today is all about you, my little mate. Just keep, keep not but just that one. Yes. So you need to peel them first. Whatever you want, you just name it. Mac and cheese. A bit of parmesan crumble. Ah. We found a whole new market to tap into. Hello, 
have been on an eating disorder, so it's the same universe. It's time for our 2017 TV resolutions check-in. Number one, Noel, it's, we, we said we'd wait till Klaxicon and then do one a month is the, the goal and, and sort of check in with how we're doing on our TV resolutions. Your resolution was to get back to watching more, more anime um, and like week to week just as like a overall TV diet. Uh, how's that going for you? And what shows are, are making up, you know, your most uh, engaging viewing? Right, so to like kind of manage things, like I went through like every season, um, and Japanese television's schedule is divided into four sections, mm-hmm. which is which is really unpleasant if you're watching a lot of American television at the same time, because um, then there's 26 new shows it's a lot. every 13 weeks. And now it's a lot of fun. Are they released all at once, like Netflix style? No, they're like done week to week. Okay. So, 26 new sh- like 2015 to like 20 shows like start every third new shows start like every 13 weeks basically no weeks off and no breaks no hiatuses not really okay. no it's it's fun <laughs> it's part of the reason why like i fell out of watching it is uh, like it was just too much to keep up with mm-hmm. so uh, i went through the chart um which is how people like get like synopsis synopses and everything and then i went through anime news networks um season preview um to like see what other folks were thinking about it because while i don't really go there that often for reviews and everything i at least am familiar enough with enough of the writers to know where my tastes fall with theirs Mm -hmm. so i can like rely on how they're responding to things in picking what i was going to watch yeah which influenced my choices because it was just like there's too much stuff for me to sample Mm -hmm. so i need guidance and that's where i ended up with uh three shows that i thought sounded at least mildly interesting to very interesting and i've been really happy with all of them to varying extents so one i've been watching is called akka which is um a spy thriller conspiracy type stuff that's really really good very stylish um i've been watching siren which is um a high school romance thing that's divided into different arcs as our male protagonist kind of dates three different women in each arc. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was actually based on a video game, but it's an original, but it feels very much like a dating sim in a lot of ways. And then the third one that I was expecting to kind of give up on just from the premise is a super cute show called Interviews with Monster Girls in uh-huh. which a high school teacher um, works at a school in a world in which there are characters called demi-humans. So they vampires, uh, snow women, succubi, and um, duhalin, um, like um, headless horseman types, mm-hmm. um, all exist within the world. And he's interested in studying them, but he's also like getting to know them as individuals and that sort of thing. Um, all three of these shows are actually pretty good. Um, Akka's, like, by far and away my favorite. Like, Mm -hmm. it is colorful. Its use of color is really fantastic. It's got a really good, like, um, lacar, lacar, um, feel to it. So Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy type stuff. Um, it deals with a, uh, a, like, bureaucracy that basically runs each district of this large island king, island state. Uh, that manages day-to-day operations, but there's a royal family that kind of oversees things, but their power seems kind of vaguely limited. 
but the chief deputy of the inspection bureau of this agency goes to each of the districts. So we get a sense of how each of the districts operates. They're all very unique. Uh, but he keeps being given these little cigarettes. Um, and cigarettes are very hard to come by in this, in this show. But there are signs that the districts are with him to stage a coup. Because rumors have been circulating that he's going to launch a coup. Mm. But it all comes... There's a whole big like conspiracy around this idea that he's not initially aware of. It's really, really fascinating. It's really interesting. And there's some really good flashback stuff that happens in one episode that's just one of the most stylist-looking things I've seen in a while. Like It's a really well-executed episode of animation in terms of how it uses color uh, to convey certain things it's really Mm. really good okay so i really like that one that's the one i really strongly recommend you can watch it subtitled on crunchyroll Mm -hmm. uh but the funimation dub is like a few weeks behind that Mm -hmm. because it takes a little while to get the dub and everything's done so that's on funimation's website go ahead how's the dub i mean i i just tend to like avoid dubs like the plague I haven't listened to it, okay. um, mainly because Funimation's website, I can never get to work really well for me. Mm-hmm. I have real issues with them for some reason. But my friend Danielle has started watching the dub uh, based on me like poking her to watch the show. <laughs> yeah. And she says the dub's pretty good. Um, okay. So I'm excited to hear that. But So you can watch the dub on Funimation or you can watch the subtitled version on Crunchyroll. Uh, they're all of these are almost done. Like we're hitting the end of the winter season coming up here in like a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So Akka, I strongly recommend. It's really really good. Um, Siren is I had like low expectations for. So this whole him dates a new girl every like six to seven episodes, um, cut off type of thing ends really nicely in terms of moving on to the next girl so it doesn't feel like alternate reality or path not taken type stuff Mm -hmm. uh but everything is kind of mundane in a really refreshing way nothing like really big or dramatic happens these are just like high school students that are like trying to figure out what it means to like have feelings for one another and some of the plots can feel a little cliched. Some of the girls in particular feel very cliched in that they fit very s- certain anime types or like Japanese culture types mm-hmm. in this type of, type of media. So it's not fresh in any way, shape, or form. And our protagonist is just kind of a blank good person type, which mm-hmm. is also very common for this sort of thing. But the fact that everything's very mundane and everything is very small uh makes everything feel kind of new and fresh and i really like that but it's also of the three it's also the least interesting of the three that i'm watching so i have virtually nothing else to say about it (laughs) apart from that uh the animation's fine it's nothing particularly to write home about but it yeah it's just okay uh i was expecting it to not be okay um there's some fan service that doesn't need to be in the show but it's also kind of part and parcel with this kind of a show as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Interviews with Monster Girls is just a really pleasant, funny surprise. But it's also a show that's so driven about multicultural acceptance that I cannot get enough of it. Like, this mm-hmm. whole understanding them as individuals that have problems, but also that their problems are linked to their identity as demi-humans is really, really interesting and really compelling. And especially for a society as homogenized as Japan is, 
watching this kind of a story that's very driven by a sense of multiculturalism is really fascinating to see. Cool. And it's it's just it's really funny in a lot of ways, but also some of the animation, particularly with the uh Dulhalan character hmm. who's just constantly carrying her head, um is really really interesting and like how they represent her emotions or just watching her body walk away from her head while her head's like watching television on the couch mm-hmm. but her, her head goes to go like start a bath mm-hmm. or sorry her body goes to start a bath and everything yeah or her body is writing a note uh but her head's like in another room but mm-hmm. like so how is she writing without seeing yeah. and all this sort of stuff but it's really really it from an animation perspective it's really compelling and it's really really interesting and it's and it's all just it's really cute um it doesn't get into like creepy cute which is what can happen with these cute weird girl type of shows it hasn't ventured into that i'm very very happy about that uh so yeah but there's also really good at like really poignant moments in one of the characters is succubus and she's a teacher new teacher at the school but half of the episode that's focused on her drives home the fact that her life is just really miserable and lonely because she doesn't want to cause anyone to be driven into fits of like sexual passion yeah because that's even like she dresses in track suits she wears her hair in like the least sexual way possible has glasses and she lives out in the boonies. So to get to school on time, she wakes up at like four o'clock in the morning, takes the first bus because it's empty, first train because it's empty. So no one can brush up against her mm-hmm. and her succubus touch doesn't get like kicked in. But she also can't like fall asleep on the bus or the train on the way home because then her guard lets down and she causes sexual thoughts to like come to people's minds. Mm-hmm. So all of this is just like this massive loneliness. So she's like starved for a type of connection that's motivated from an actual place of desire that isn't manufactured by her powers and by being a succubus it's really good at balancing that kind of a comedy with that kind of a more serious type of aspect to it so i am very surprised by how much i really like this one so those have been the three that i've been keeping up with and i've been i looked at the chart for the upcoming spring season and kind of went what i'm going to be able to pick because none of these look particularly good but i'll find something (laughs) (laughs) well listeners if you have any recommendations uh for for ones that you know that you've heard about you've heard some buzz on that are coming up then maybe reach out and let us know but but those are really interesting and like the again you gotta appreciate the variety and the the just genre even diversity of storytelling that you find in anime anime It's, it's terrific to, to some extent, I feel like that in, is increasingly like overstated sometimes because mm-hmm. so many of them deal with high school students that have powers or high school students that find giant robots or high school students that find love. And like, that's a lot of it Okay, and to, to like, to not to put too fine a point on it. Like it's, or high school students do X is a very yeah. popular type of thing. Okay. So there's a format and a genre built into it. So you kind of have to like sift through, but also like a lot of it is I uh, demon type thing. And like that kind of stuff like surfaces a lot too. Okay. So it's fine sifting through stuff. Like something like Akka feels very unique, especially within their current landscape, at least to me mm-hmm. and my sense of things, which I admit I am very far detached from it now, mm-hmm. but 
it it feels very fresh and unique in a way that Siren, I think, is very grounded in very common type of storytelling that you see. And even interviews with Monster Girls is like using a number of very well considered well worn tropes of cute demon girls doing cute things, <laughs> but finding enough of a spin on it. Okay. Yeah, so overstated that a bit then. Um, but uh, certainly I, you've, you've piqued my interest uh, on these, these different shows. So thank you for reporting yeah. back on them. Um, yeah. The YouTube – sorry, yeah? I was going to, like, segue into asking you how your stuff was going because, like, we cheated a little bit by watching Carmella. Yeah. And that solved, like, half of your – that solved the problem for you right there where I didn't make you watch any anime. So <laughs> – <laughs> What did you uh, find to watch in addition to Carmilla? So uh, so my show for February um, was Carmilla. My show for March is The Catering Show, which okay. is a comedy, uh, like parody of cooking shows, which okay. is, it had two seasons, one season um, in 2015, one season in 2016. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a season three. Um, the first season is six episodes. The second season is eight episodes. So it's very, man, it's in there about like 10 minute. Maybe there's a couple that are like 12 minute long episodes. So it's, it's a, it's a short commitment. Um, and it's one that I had heard about when it when it came out, uh, but I had never really checked out. So I, this is uh, from two Australian comedians, Kate McCartney and Kate McLennan, um, and who adorably call each other by their last names because <laughs> they're both Kates. Uh, yeah. But 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 the one is a is food intolerant, and the other one is a foodie. Um, and so those those are their characters that they're that they're playing as they, as they do. So it's like uh, the one character can't uh can't have gluten or fructose or lactose or like anything and so the other person's a foodie who's trying to make food that won't kill their friend um so they end up parodying a lot of um different trends in food culture or specific figures and the those tend to be the most entertaining to me i was a little disappointed i have to say in the first season um i thought it was fine but i wasn't laughing nearly as much as i wanted to and i feel like it probably just was overhyped for me a bit by some of the people that i had heard from about it but like for example in the in the first season they do an episode where they quit sugar and you <laughs> to watch them like go insane over the course of like a you know cuz the one is very much a boozer so of course that's a lot of booze you can't have um right. and and the other one so then the watching them progress over the, the they like check in one day three days six days kind of after um and that's that kind of stuff worked better for me than the the baking ones as much but um or the cooking ones so they did a christmas episode they did a food porn episode um one of the one that really took off was the thermomix have you heard of the thermomix it's like a, mm. it's a it's a two thousand dollar cooking implement it's like a blender but it also cooks food so like you can like i've not heard of this no. yeah it's like a thing apparently that um, sounds really weird but go yeah. on yeah anyway so that one was was fun but certainly um that was the i think in the first season the episode that really took off or that that uh, people uh connected to i'm certainly people who have a thermomix or who have friends who have a thermomix and won't shut up about it as the episode <laughs> certainly uh hits home um th those are the ones that i think uh that one what i thought was 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 fun and certainly again when they're when they're really poking fun at these trends around food culture i think that works much better than just the more straightforward I can't make any food that you would taste good for you. Like that, that joke gets old quickly. Um, and certainly I think also, um, in the last, you know, since 
this came out in February 2015, but I think even just in the last year or two, um, the the notion that food that is gluten free, lactose free is like is nasty. It doesn't taste good. Like there are actually a lot of places that specialize in that kind of food. There's a lot lot better options out there, I guess. Certainly for gluten. Like I've had some yeah. gluten free lasagna that I was like, this is gluten free. This is amazing, and this is from someone who loves her lasagna. Let me tell you. So um, I think that well of comedy runs dry pretty quick or just gets a little old. So, so when they find these other things to really engage with, that is a lot more fun. They do in season two, Noel, um, cause both, uh, comedians had kids in the hiatus. And, okay. um, so the, the season two, episode two is called yummy mummies. Um, okay. I like season two quite a bit. I, like I, I was laughing a lot more by season two than in season one. Uh, it's called seasoning two, by the way. Uh, but see episode two is called yummy mummies. And, the one the one kate uh makes placenta lasagna and the other kate makes breast milk ice cream <laughs> so watching um the one making the uh the polenta the, the, the placenta lasagna just like tr- try to pass off pass off of this is totally not super disgusting as she's like gagging while she like just even looks at the like it it works it works really well. They do one on diets. They do the Cook and the Cates, which is a really fun one about um, I, I, this well-known Australian cooking personality whose name I want to say Beer is their last name or Beat. I think it's Beer. Um, and so it's but it's like that pristine, perfect cook something for ten hours kind of thing. Uh, Martha Stewart sort of feel. And that where that the, that episode again really works well. Um, when when again this look at food culture is a lot more rife for comedy than just the straight up, I can't eat gluten. Um, yeah. so, so I think on the whole, it works pretty well. The time um, for each episode, about 10-ish minutes, works well. And uh, they do, they, they manage to keep it fresh for the six to eight episodes. If they tried to do like okay. a like a longer run of a season, I don't think it would work. Which is why I'm also not surprised that they haven't rushed to a third season either. Um, they were kind of forced to have a break in the middle there because they were having kids. So, right. That makes uh, sense. That makes sense. But um, yeah, I thought it was solid. Certainly, I would say, honestly, I think people could just like kind of, it, it's only 10 minutes an episode. If, if, if you're at all interested in a, in a parody of cooking shows um, and making fun of foodies and and like, like I, I can be... Um, quite the food snob and cook. She snob. can. It's true. I really can. <laughs> um, so I, you know, like if you enjoy, you know, a self-deprecating look at that culture, I think you'll enjoy this this one. Um, but I would say feel free to like skip. Look at the the titles of the episodes and and skip to one that you think you'll enjoy. Um, okay. The, so season two, episode four is one. Um, the body issue. That's where they take on different diets. One of them does raw food. One of them does paleo and they have the cat do the five, two <laughs> diet. Um, so like just try out one of the, uh, one where the title feels like it's something you're going to connect to. And then, then go from there. Um, you don't need to watch them all. Certainly you don't need, there's not any interpersonal stuff that requires an arc. Um, but I, I enjoyed getting to a sense of these two comedians, and I would li- love to see them in other things in the future. Um, yeah, I, I connected way more with Carmilla just because that had characters and arcs, and, you know, I was much more invested in the storytelling there. This is not going for that. Um, funny enough, glad I watched it, but not, like, 
anticip- breathlessly anticipating more, I guess. Had you heard of the catering show? No, I had not. No. Um, basically, if it's a YouTube streaming show, chances are I have not heard of it. <laughs> um, unless it's Nick pointed me to a, well, more of a how-to series about nails that his girlfriend is really into, his fiance, I should say, is really into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and then there was a cooking show I think he really liked, but it wasn't this. It was mm-hmm. like an actual cooking an show. An actual cooking show, yeah. But yeah, I've so I haven't heard of this. Um, my question though for you is, talk to me about its aesthetics. Like, is it how similar is it to Carmilla? Is it like single frame, or is there a lot like a lot of camera stuff oh, involved? It's much or more produced. It... Okay. Yeah, they, like they have they film on um, in the first season. There's a couple different kitchens that they're using, but mm-hmm. it's there. It's it's like they have a cooking show. Like they're talking directly into okay. camera. The video quality is good and they do they do stuff like you know like in cooking shows where you'll see a cut uh like a a shot of just like water running they'll do right. that and they'll hold it for like five seconds too long like sure. that, that kind of stuff okay um, so it is a much more traditional aesthetic okay no i was curious about it because like like we kind of talked about with carmela is mm-hmm. how its aesthetics sort of like went back and forth a lot yeah and so i was really curious about like how other people are using like the short format, but also the web format itself. But I think it also like in this case, like lends itself to what they're making fun of, yeah. which is cooking shows. So, I mean, were there like overly long sections where you're just listening to like onion sauteing in a pan <laughs> or no, just up the, really high, the, the characters pulling things out of the oven that they've been just been baking for 20 minutes that mm-hmm. without using any hand, any like, right. warmers. Because, because it's cold. It's right. obviously it's totally different. <laughs> or like the characters blend something and you see that the blender's not plugged in and then they cut back. Then they cut back to something else and they cut back and now they've got a blended thing. You know, like there's plenty right. of humor with that as well. Okay. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's, I wanted to, cause the, the next one I'm planning to watch is her story, which is, uh, from what I gather, a much more dramatic, uh, web series. And I think that one's on YouTube. I could be wrong. I'll have to double check, but listeners, if you have any recommendations for me for a YouTube series that, that you think I should check out, please, please reach out and let me know. I, I've done some searching, but I've had a hard time finding lists of recommendations for youtube shows specifically because it tends to be just lists of of web series which then is like hulu and netflix and all these different things right end up being you know like on shows that that could be you know in contention but um i'm not interested in those so i'm looking for these smaller more independent series and i'm having trouble finding them so please do reach out yeah think guys think the guild not the path yeah, exactly. And I've already seen the guild, so the guild yeah. doesn't work. Um, yeah, so that's that's like the one. Like I, I saw a list, and that was like the one that they had. I was like, come on! If even I know the guild, then you know, come. So, are you just wanting to like strict like scripted stuff, or do you want like more DIY series type stuff, or like any of uh, more informational stuff? Like the um, John Green and his brother have like a whole thing, like various types of YouTube series in which they do like various things. Well, I, I would, I'm up for changing the genre each time. Like I was very specifically went for comedy for this yeah. month. And obviously Carmilla is a genre show and, sure. and her story I think is, a, is a drama and looking at uh, specifically transgender. Uh, I think it's women in LA. And so I'd like to, to get a sampling. So I'd be up for documentary or reality or these different things. I mean, I'm not that interested in just watching how to videos. Cause sure. 
I think we all, unless there's a reason I should check out that one, that like this one's yeah. like really interesting or really good, or the the host really uh, engages nicely with the audience. Like there, I want there to be a reason I'm watching this show. Um, but uh, if people have recommendations, I like I said, I I had a hard enough time finding a few that I could choose from for this, let alone. Um, just I don't want to just go on a YouTube spiral, which maybe I should. Maybe I should just sink into the K hole that is YouTube, <laughs> clicking from one to the next to the next. Which is I know uh, at least the 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 young people that I know that's how they watch TV. They just those youths. <laughs> they just spiral. But um, but yeah, I I certainly would be game for educational or documentary or kids kids program. I'd love to see some of that or animation. There's got to be some interesting animated ones too. Yeah. So. Uh, please do send uh, send in any recommendations you guys have. Um, well, that wraps up our resolutions. I feel like we're doing okay so far. I feel like I'm doing great. Better yeah. than you, maybe. I mean, well, you're just like, I'm going to pick one a month. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because I'm not overcommitting because then I will fail my <laughs> resolution. I have learned that that lesson <laughs> over the years. Um, a few show notes here. At the end of the episode, you can find a post for this up at theteleverse.org, which is the website for the podcast. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can, of course, leave a post at the website. Thank you. Uh, for the, We did get one uh, comment from uh, from Fictions and Real this week, so thank you for, for reaching out with that. Uh, but you can also, of course, find us on Facebook, like a post there, start up a conversation, like the page, I should say. Um, you can also find us on iTunes, where you have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We'd appreciate any ratings or reviews you guys want to give us there it helps other people find the show and then we're also up on stitcher where you can again rate and review us and then obviously we're both on uh and then of twitter. course we are both on twitter i am at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk and you can find me writing about the flash and the good fight over at tvguide.com and that will wrap up our episode this week i am off to we'll we'll see if i immediately edit this or or just sink into the unfortunate addicting web of of iron fist which i know i don't oh rupaul i will be watching rupaul's drag race which has its premiere as we are recording are you excited yay i'm so much more excited than you are but that's okay you that's are. okay yeah i'm so well, excited because it's because it's something i have to pay like two dollars for each week oh <laughs> uh, well yeah that that doesn't you mean for me you don't get vh1 oh right it's on vh1 now it's not on whatchamacallit anymore yeah. is it it's oh, a... no, I get VH1. Hey. Are you I'm more excited gonna... now? I'm a little more excited now because I'm paying <laughs> I'm, I'm paying two to three bucks for Underground this season. Oh, no. WGN sucks. Sorry, yeah. WGN. Yeah, but... you should really have HD WGN. Yeah, you should because I can't see anything that happens at night on Underground. And guess what? A lot happens at night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, so I, I'm going to go watch some, some RuPaul and save myself from watching Iron Fist, which I know until I'll tomorrow. Until tomorrow. <laughs> um, no, what are you? What are you going to watch? Grace and Frankie. Oh, that's and, right. We already discussed this. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I'll play Mass Effect, but I'm probably going to watch Grace and Frankie for the rest of the night. Okay, that's a good call. That's a good call. Uh, well, thank so you, glorious. Noel, as ever, and thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm-hmm.